0: Welcome back into another episode of the Owen Show. I am Owen Burke, joined alongside virtually, spiritually, alongside by Tim Hunt. Tim, how you doing?
1: You know, hanging in there, fighting for for dear life here. But uh, <laughs> a fight we're for doing my a, life! Yeah, I know we're, we're we're putting the team on our back. You know, I watched the Greg Jennings Madden meme video before this. So I'm I'm pumped up, ready to rock and roll today.
0: Uh, that's a that's a solid one to watch and to get ready.
1: So, you know, there's not much more I could do to, to mentally prepare myself for this moment.
0: No, honestly, I'm going to start doing that every week at this point. I love that video. Um, but we are here. Episode 22. Got a couple fan questions for you. And uh, boy, we had uh, we had talks about recording a little earlier in the week because uh, we thought the schedules were going to have to be. So um, schedules kind of fell through. And boy, we're lucky we did because we would have missed out on a lot of stuff
1: yes yeah no i mean we we almost recorded on monday afternoon or tuesday Mm -hmm. yeah and uh thank god we didn't because uh holy crap there was a lot of stuff uh that was
0: going on literally everything happened on tuesday so here we are bring you all the all the updated news i mean obviously as of right now hopefully nothing major happens from here until episode 22 comes out but that is out of our hands so we're gonna control what we can't control we're gonna get to these fan questions so our first fan question comes to us from Tyler uh, down in Hayesville. We're going to say Hayesville. You could pick four different hometowns for that guy, but we'll go Hayesville. Um, he asks, who do you who do we think is more important to their team currently, Tyrese Maxey uh, to the Sixers or Jaron Jackson Jr. to the Grizzlies?
1: So it's a really interesting question.
0: It um, is. It is a very interesting question.
1: I, I'm going to say Maxi. I mean, just because the sheer amount of minutes that Maxie's playing, like uh, he is playing, I think he's averaging like 30 plus minutes a game so far this He's been season. an
0: animal since uh, James Harden got there too.
1: Yeah. He's he's really stepped it up. So I, I'm going to go Maxie because uh, he's filling a, an important void of like being a strong defensive guard for that team uh, since they lost uh, Simmons. So, I think he's a really good fit for what the Sixers need, especially now with, you know, James Harden not playing
0: any defense at all. So, yeah, and Maxie is the third. Uh, I would agree with you. I think Maxi is a little bit more important. Jaron Jackson Jr. is an animal. Now, first of all, both of these teams, the Grizzlies and the Sixers, have MVP candidates in my eyes in Joel Embiid and John Morant. But, Despite Jaron Jackson Jr. probably being the second option, I think Maxie being the third option on Philly is just so much more important to what the Sixers do because it's a lot easier to guard two guys. Like you could, can, you can't take and beat and Harden out of a game, obviously, but like it's easier to slow two guys down. But when a third guy is really on it and and on fire the way Maxi's been since James Harden's got to town, it's so hard to stop that team. Mm-hmm. And and now you let Matisse Thybul just do whatever he wants defensively. He can spend 110% on the defensive end of the court, and he really doesn't have to do much but space the floor on offense because Maxie Harden and Embiid are going to take care of all of that, and Tobias Harris can chip in where he wants to. So I like Maxie a lot. I love Jaron Jackson Jr. I love his game. I'm looking for him to evolve into – I think Jaron Jackson Jr. would be a really good three, but as a two, I feel like he's a little lacking at this point in his career. I think he can be a solid two, but the injuries I feel like have slowed his growth a little bit and he hasn't been able to step into that two role as well as I thought he would have.
1: And and it's tough with the Grizzlies too, to say like, they don't have a clear two. Like Jackson is, is definitely solid. I don't know if you can definitively go out there and say, yeah, like this is our two. You know what I mean? Um, I think, uh, Bane is very close in that category as well. Doesn't Bane's an animal. um, and then Dylan Brooks, when he plays, has been pretty good too. So it's yeah. like they got a couple guys that are in that mix where I think Maxie is a clear – I mean, I don't know if I'd even call him the three on that because you have Tobias Harris playing for playing for that team as well. Um, yeah. But Maxie's role is, a, I think, a more vital role just because of what he does on the defensive end of the ball.
0: Yeah, he's uh, very important to that team nonetheless. So. Uh, our next question comes to us from D down in Columbus, Georgia. He asks, uh obviously with Coach K retiring this year, what is our favorite Coach K moment over his career?
1: Do you want to you want to go first? You want me to lead it off?
0: Yeah, um I'll go first. So there obviously legendary career, a lot of it happened before I was alive and definitely a lot of it happened before I was really paying attention to basketball. Um but one thing that I remember one of the very, very early memories in my uh, my basketball fandom was Duke taking down Butler in the national championship game. What was it? it was like a 61-59. Gordon Hayward's half court, he falls short, and Duke wins the national championship. That one's up there for me just because I did want Butler to win that game, not going to lie, but the to be able to hold off the Cinderella team is also a, a pretty solid moment to have. That's definitely one that sticks out in my head. Uh, I'm gonna
1: go with the time that Coach K lost in 2014 in the Carrier Dome to Syracuse. Um, <laughs> kind of, kind of an all-time favorite moment for me. Um, it was an attendance record-breaking game, so those are always cool. Uh, if you look at like the most attended to college basketball games of all time, Syracuse holds like three out of the top five. Um, that's legit, and and a bunch of them. I mean, they kind of cheat to be fair, but that's besides the point. Um, How do you they know, cheat? So the way that the carrier dome is set up is we play football and basketball in there. So when it's a really good game, um, they set the basketball court up kind of more in the middle of the football field. And then they can put more seats around it. So it's uh-huh. not like, it's not like we have a separate, we, we have one stadium, right? So it's like, we have a football sized stadium that we just kind of throw a basketball court around sometimes. So there's times where it's like they move it and it's kind of more in the center if they're going to sell more tickets. So, that's legit to be honest. Yeah. So that's if,
0: not, that's not cheating. That's just uh, using your resources. That's what that is to me.
1: Yes. Um. So that's like one of the, the big advantages there, but yeah, I remember, I remember being at that game and having a t-shirt. It's like, it's so legit the t-shirts they sold were like, I'm one of 36,000 or something. Um. You know, fans here and watching Syracuse beat Duke. I'm not really a coach K guy, but you know, I, I get, I get why you know he's definitely one of the greatest of all time. We talked about that last time, but yeah, that would be my favorite moment. I I
0: can respect that. You know, at least you pulled a you pulled a a moment out. I had to, I had to dig a little bit from mine. I won't lie to you.
1: Yeah, thirty five thousand six hundred forty two people were at that game.
0: That's legit, that's insanity for a college so, basketball game.
1: So for a college basketball game, you're talking. Uh, Talking, talking a lot, a of, lot of fricking people shoved into a, a stadium there to watch that.
0: Yeah, definitely is. So um, before we get into our headlines today, I want a quick second to talk about our first sponsor. Our first sponsor is calm. They're a software company based in San Francisco, California. Uh, they produce meditation products, including guided meditations and sleep stories. They're the number one app for sleep, meditation, and relaxation, with over 100 million downloads and over 1.5 million five-star reviews. They are Apple's Best of 2018 award winner, Apple's App of the Year in 2017, and Google Play Editor's Choice 2018, and to be named by the Center of Humane Technology as the world's happiest app. Sign up today and try Calm, the Calm app today for free and channel your inner LeBron. So with that, into the crazy world of the NFL offseason, um, like we said earlier, thank goodness we didn't decide to record earlier this week because Tuesday was one of the wildest days I can remember in NFL offseason history, at least in my recent memory, I would say.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is this has been like a busy, busy week. Um I mean Matthew Stafford was kind of the big deal last year getting mm-hmm. moved around and stuff like that, but this uh this was definitely a whole nother level this these last two days. So
0: I agree. So starting first, I think the first headline I think this is the first headline they broke on Tuesday this last week. Aaron Rodgers signs a new contract with the Packers. He is officially back. Um originally it was reported it was a four year contract extension. Two hundred million dollars, one hundred fifty-three million guaranteed, which would have made him the highest-paid quarterback in NFL history again, reclaiming the title, I believe, for the second time, if not possibly the third time. I know he's held that title once before. He may have held it a second time. I can't one hundred percent remember. Very possible. Um, he has since refuted the the contract length and details of that. We don't know what the contract is, but he has stated he is staying in Green Bay. Isn't that the isn't that your favorite thing? You're like, hey, we got Aaron Rodgers back. Look at this contract. And the first thing he says is, hey, I'm very happy to be back in Green Bay, but all these contract reports are absolutely false.
1: You're like, I oh. think he just hates insiders is, is really what I've come to know. Is like, yeah. It's like whatever an insider says, he's always going to be like, nope, lies, false, not true. You and that's I mean?
0: why that's why my stance has been, I was like, I will not believe anything about Aaron Rodgers until he is telling me so or until – Adam Schefter, Ian Rapoport, and three other sources have told me so. Like, or, or he says it on the Pat McAfee show. Like that is like the true. most official. Pat like, McAfee is the most reliable source when it comes to Aaron Rodgers,
1: And they don't even break most of his stuff, but yeah, I mean, it's whatever. I mean, Him staying is, I think, the right decision, especially with them deciding to use the franchise tag now on Devontae Adams. Mm -hmm. Uh, The biggest, my biggest takeaway from this is like the excuses are over, though. Like he can no longer like complain like, oh, they never do anything. They haven't like put enough. Like if he is going to get that big of a contract and that big of a deal, it's like you are no longer allowed to complain about like they don't ever have enough around me because they're going all in right now with this well, kind you're... of contract and franchising Devonte like this. Like, this is this is all for this year or the next two years.
0: Yeah, and we kind of talked about this beforehand. Like, he always talks about how he doesn't have enough, and they, he wants him to go spend a draft pick on a receiver. And you're like, you wonder why they don't have enough? They're paying you $50 million a year. Like, he's con- we're talking... Again, we don't know exactly what the deal is. It's been refuted that it's not four years, $200 million, but we're assuming it's definitely going to be in the 45 to 55 ballpark range, at least. It could go higher. And you're like, I never have anything around me. Like, how do you expect them to put anything around you, man? You're eating You're eating a fourth of the, you know, an eighth of the team's money each year. They increased the salary cap to what it was like $208 million, I think, going into this year yeah. for a team. And so if he's getting paid, we'll go on the low end even. I'll say 50. That is quite literally an eighth of what a team – that's a fourth of what a team can spend in a year. And well, that is, boom, that's
1: your payday off the top. And, and you look at, like, who they're set to lose here. It's a lot of – I mean, middle-of-the-road contributors, not, like, any huge names. I mean, now that they franchise tagged uh Devontae, but, you know – You're talking about Robert Tunyon is going to be a free agency. Dennis Mm -hmm. Kelly, the right tackle, is going to be a free agent. Uh, Lucas Patrick, a guard, is going to be a free agent. And then St. Brown and Valdes Skelding are both free agents. So you're talking about, you know, typically your wide receivers, two and three, are going to be out the door. So you're going to be left with Randall Cobb and Devontae Adams and – aaron jones and really
0: not a whole lot of weapons after that they're gonna have to spend some mid rounders on receivers this year just just for depth purposes at this point
1: um and this is a good draft to go get a guy in like the second or third round uh as far as wide receiver talent goes and it'll probably be you know a legit nfl
0: starting wide receiver so how do you feel about like if that if that contract was true how do you do you feel like they're giving him too much is the deal too long Or like, what do you, where would you kind of, if you were Green Bay's front office and you could put the offer on the table, what would it be?
1: Well, I think Green Bay's put themselves kind of in a rough spot with, with Aaron. I mean, and and it's partly their own fault, right? Like they drafted Jordan Love and clearly he is not ready to play, right? Like, even if he
0: was, you're like, well, Tom Brady is 44 guys played to a, Aaron Rodgers has won two MVPs since he's been drafted. I know you can't. Hindsight is always twenty twenty, but we're like, this guy is not slowing down. So unless – the only reason to me that Jordan Love makes sense, le- leaving the whole how good is he off the table, just drafting him in the first place is like Aaron's contract's up in a year and a half, he's not coming back. No matter what he's playing at, we've drafted this guy, this is a guy we're running with
1: that let me let me pose this another way for you if if that's going to be your take do you think they regret drafting Aaron Rodgers and losing out on the last 3 years of Brett Favre's career no exactly so what for them there's nothing to lose by taking Jordan Love where they took Jordan Love now you know what i mean in in a team yeah. building standpoint of like drafting a QB there i i think i mean at most you're going to have 3 years left of Aaron Rodgers right he's already flirted with retirement last year and this year and this year yeah so it's, it's how much, how much more of it do you really realistically do you have left? Right. So from a team building standpoint, it wasn't bad thinking to take a quarterback then and there. Um, I just think it was a bad choice of who they took there. Right. Yeah. Like, cause if Jordan love turns out to be, you know, the next Aaron Rodgers or, or the next Brett Favre, right. Then it's not bad because you let Rodgers walk in the situation. You get a ton back in trade. You know what I mean? If you look yeah. at what Russell Wilson got back. Aaron Rodgers is going to demand more than that, more than the Matthew Stafford deal, right? Like he's had an MVP caliber season the last two years. He's been the MVP the last two seasons. So yeah. Yeah. you're going to, you're going to get a haul back for him and have a quarterback of your future. Right. Cause when Brett Favre did, they, they let him walk. Right. Like when he was making all the noise in the off season, they chose to stick with Aaron Rodgers. Cause they don't feel that Jordan love is ready. So I think it says a lot about where they are with Jordan. Jordan love is a quarterback it wouldn't surprise me if he's the next one to go.
0: I think the thing that, that bugs me about this whole situation, if I had to pick one spot that like caught my attention the most over time was 153 million guaranteed. Now I know obviously guys have always steered towards more guaranteed money. That's been the trend of the last two years. Guys want NBA contracts. They want fully guaranteed contracts for a guy that's flirted with retirement the last two years. 153 million guaranteed money over four years. If he hangs it up next season, they are screwed. Well, like you are boned.
1: They, you'd be surprised. I mean, without seeing the contract details, it's hard to say that for a hundred percent fact,
0: if it was the hundred fifty three you know, if it was what it was.
1: So when it's fully guaranteed like that, when they retire, they can kind of spread that money out. It doesn't have yeah. to be in those cap years. And and it, and it's probably to create more cap space this year and then spread that signing bonus out into future years. So, yeah,
0: I and I guarantee that's what cuz they're they're strapped right now to to tag Devontae, they had to probably move his money down somewhere else because you can only navigate so much. The Saints are really good at navigating, but when you look at their contracts, especially the ones they've signed in the last two years, you look at Marshawn Lattimore and Ryan Ramsick are the two names that come to mind like it is all salary loaded. Like Ryan Ramsey signed like a four or five year deal from like $90 million, $97 million. And like 88 of that is salary. Like mm-hmm. his signing bonus is only like $13 million. Cause the signing bonus, most of it goes up front. So they're like, we're going to give you the small change. Now you're going to get paid year by year because we can't afford to give you all the money right now. We don't have it. So Yeah. I mean, I mean, Devonte
1: Adams is actually kind of a decent deal on the franchise tag. He's only twenty million dollars. So, I mean, it's... for the best receiver in
0: football, you're never going to turn your nose up at twenty million.
1: Yeah, it's not, it's not a, it's not a terrible deal for that one. I mean, next year, I'm sure it's an absurd number. But because most
0: of the time, you you tag a guy and then they pay him as a top five player. They take the top five receiver contracts, average amount he gets that much money. Well, when you're taking the best receiver in football and giving him the third best money it's always going to look good not again i agree with you next year is going to be something else but hopefully they can get the deal done before next year and if you're
1: davante you're probably not wanting to sign more than like a two or three year deal because i'm
0: staying as long as aaron Rodgers is in the building right That's the only thing i'm guaranteeing
1: so he's not going to go ahead and sign um you know he's not gonna he's not gonna sign a long-term deal you know a five or six-year deal when you don't know if aaron Rodgers is going to be there yeah so... i'm
0: going to aaron Rodgers i'm like how long What is your contract length? That is the max that I'm going to stay. And if they can get Jordan Love up or if they get another guy in the building, we could talk then. But I'm not. It's the same way a lot of the guys handle LeBron's contracts, too. They're like, well, we're not really going to extend out past. And a lot of front offices will do that as well because they know that that guy's not going to be anywhere near as good once LeBron slash Aaron Rodgers leaves the building. Obviously, Devontae can sustain that, but. It'll be interesting to see how they handle his contract and how he handles his contract negotiations going forward.
1: Yeah, uh, it, it'll be interesting. I mean, this will be worth it if they win a Super Bowl, but, man, they have not looked good in the playoffs the last, year, last couple the of last,
0: years. Yeah, the last couple years. Um, uh, obviously, I think the biggest headline happened around noon on Tuesday, around 1 p.m. on Tuesday. Uh, Russell Wilson officially traded two days after. He said that he's perfectly happy in Seattle. He's not going anywhere. Russell Wilson officially traded from the Seattle Seahawks to the Denver Broncos. The Seahawks, uh, the Broncos received Russell Wilson in a fourth round pick this year. The Broncos, uh, I I muffed it twice now. Okay. The Broncos get Russell Wilson (laughs) in a fourth rounder this year. The Seahawks get Drew Locke, Noah Fant, Shelby Harris, Two first round picks this year, which is pick nine and next year's first rounder, two second round picks, which is this year and next year's as well, and then a fifth round pick this year as well. So the haul is in. Um I think my my number one takeaway is I'm I'm shocked that the Seahawks decided to to go with P. Carroll going forward instead of Russell Wilson. Um because that was kind of the the overarching thing we heard. Pete Carroll might get fired. He might retire. Uh, they may trade Russell Wilson. And it, the, the consensus was one of these two guys is not going to be here next year. Um, and now they, they're siding with Pete Carroll. That's the guy they're going with going forward. And uh, Russell Wilson is joining the team that he wants to beat in the Super Bowl.
1: Yeah, so. my my initial reaction to this is the Broncos really didn't give up as much as I thought they would um I mean they they gave up a lot don't get me wrong um but just not not quite the haul that I anticipated it being um it it's they I mean the three starters hurts right so basically it's I mean the second round picks or whatever um only two first round picks is interesting um that that is for sure i i was surprised it was so little i mean i'm guessing they value those those role pieces more i don't understand what seattle was going for with some of those pieces that they got back
0: the the moves in general that seattle's made in the last two two days have been kind of confusing because when i look at this trade i i see obviously they must see something in drew Locke going forward and i see two role players So I'm thinking they're trying to go win. Like they're trying to get some depth at some positions they may be weak at going forward. And they're trying to go take these two first round picks and probably go try to win at least some games. Maybe it's they play in probably the second or third toughest division of football. So it's obviously going to be difficult, but this doesn't look like a, I'm a rebuilding team, but also they turn around and cut Bobby Wagner and you're like, okay, now I'm, are we trying I, to win? Or are we trying to lose? I'm confused.
1: I think if you had said, you know, Hey, instead of the three starting players that they're going to give up, they gave up, they got an extra first round pick. I think that would have been better for Seattle more than likely. I don't know if Denver bites at at that point, but I think I would rather have that than, than the three role players that you're getting out of this. Yeah. I mean, if you look at what the Rams gave up for Jared Goff just a year ago, um, I was surprised that it was – you know what I mean? That it was very comparable.
0: So It was Goff in three firsts for Stafford, right?
1: uh, It was a a third-round pick, a first-round pick in this draft, a first-round pick in next year's draft, and that was it.
0: Mm, Okay.
1: So it was two firsts, really. So, I mean – and if you look at it from, like – Player value: Drew Locke was a second-round pick. Noah Fant was a first-round pick. Not sure where Shelby Harris was, but so realistically, it's like three firsts and three seconds if you include what those players where they were taken. Um, So it's it's somewhat similar. I'm not. I don't get some of the the fits of like, you know, why? What is a Noah Fant going to do with Drew Locke for Seattle this year? Yeah, I mean, uh, not not much.
0: Yeah, and so the thing is, is that the the Seahawks, or I feel like the Broncos gave up a little much when it comes to your roster. First of all, a lot of people are like, oh, get more first-round picks. You should have got four or five. I don't really think, unless we're talking like a Patrick, it's got to be a young and talented quarterback, like a proven Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, that to get, like, it's, it's going to be extremely difficult to ever justify more than four first-round picks for any player, quarterback or not. Because that's just it's so much capital in such an imp- in the most important round of the draft, obviously. So um, for for Denver, I'm looking at this and I'm like, all right, well, I'm getting Russell Wilson. So Drew lock is a is a no-go. He didn't even start most of the year this year. We we're running with Teddy Bridgewater. so I'm cool, move Drew lock out. Noah fant, talented, but never hasn't taken the next step. The tight end market is going to be decent this year. Hayden Hurst is a free agent. The Browns are looking to move Austin Hooper. I, and and I can replace it in a tight end spot. Russell yeah. Wilson doesn't really throw to his tight end that much. Jimmy Graham was the top five tight end in the league, went to Seattle and fell yeah. off the face of
1: the earth. He wasn't really a scheme fit there, but yeah, you're you're correct. And Russell Wilson isn't a big fan of tight ends. So
0: Russell, Russell Wilson also spreads the ball around a lot. So paying your receivers has never really worked with him either just because – DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and whoever they run out of tight end, the third string receiver. Each guy has three to four catches, and if if a guy Man. has the the six seven catch hundred fifty yard game, prepare for him to get three targets the next two weeks combined.
1: And Noah fans probably a top half of the NFL tight end, you would yeah. say probably like a top
0: fifteen guy. The potential but, puts him top top seven, maybe even top five. But again, oh, I I don't know about that. That it's I've been saying that for two years now. There's a lot of unrealized potential. Like I think the receiving upside is unreal, but the 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 receiving upside has been unreal for two years now. I've been waiting for the step and it hasn't happened.
1: I think his counterpart out of uh we're out out of Iowa, I think TJ Hawkinson's been way better. Oh, 100
0: percent Yeah, you're not wrong about it. he definitely is top half, like fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. That's that's why it's not a deal breaker for me for yeah. the Broncos
1: to give him up in this. And it's then like, Shelby
0: Harris I can again. It's a guy I can replace. They're looking at a locker room guy more often. It's hard to replace locker room guys, and that's how they kind of value him. But again, you resign Von Miller in free agency. Boom! There's your locker room guy, and we can you can fill the interior lineman spot with with some guys here. And it's not a, a crucial part of the game, especially not in your division. When you look at having to play Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, Derek Carr are six year games. I don't I don't need to stop the run.
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting to me. I do like the fact that they're going after Von Miller again. I think that's mm-hmm. kind of funny. But I mean, Shelby Harris had six sacks last year and he played in sixteen games, so it's not like he's a he's a guy that's going to be really tough to replace. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. As far as I mean, I get the locker room aspect of it, but I I think if you're Denver, the way you're looking at it is it makes you the second or third best team in your division. I would yeah. say right now. Hundred percent, and that might be some overreacting, but I don't.
0: They're they're definitely no worse than third. Who do you think the worst? The Raiders are definitely the worst team. Are you talking Seahawks? No, I'm talking Denver. Yeah, talking Denver. Yeah, the the Raiders and the Raiders aren't a bad team, but they're by far and away the fourth best team in this division now.
1: Yeah, and this might even make them the second best. I mean, I think they have you know. And this is really tough because this division on any given be-
0: Sunday, Denver could be the best team in that division. I'll be hundred percent honest with you. Yeah. Like I, I love Patrick Mahomes, and I, he is, well, I mean, I hate, I hate him. I, I respect him. He's extreme talent, but the bottom line is that Denver has a defense. Denver has a run game. Denver has a receiving court. Denver now has a quarterback. They have a solid offensive line. Nothing is missing. Kansas city may be more explosive, but we know the shortcomings that that defense has had. And we saw him firsthand in the post season last year, Denver has the, the corners. They have the edge rushers. They're adding, they possibly can add Von Miller back. He wants to come back. And also what a win-win trade that is for both sides. Denver gets a second and a third rounder, which they're now giving up a second rounder here to get Russell Wilson. Doesn't hurt as bad. Cause you have the Rams and you have a third round pick there. And, you possibly can give on Miller back in free agency. And also for the Rams. I mean, you want to, you want a ring, you want a super bowl. You can't be mad at that deal either. Yeah. That's a win. That's such a win-win deal for both teams, but for Denver, obviously you get a quarterback and I don't think there's really any asking price. That's too high when it comes to, to Russell Wilson. This definitely isn't. Yeah. Too much. In my I,
1: I think to kind of sum this all up here, I think, Seattle's in full rebuild mode They're They're by far and away the worst team in their division without yeah, 100%. question. Um, so they're they're in full reboot rebuild, rebuild mode. I wouldn't be surprised if they trade away more assets because um, Drew Locke with Tyler Locke and DK Metcalf doesn't make a ton of sense, to be honest with you. No. So they'll probably try to move off of one of those guys. Um, if you're Denver, you went seven and ten last year. You cannot sit here and tell me that Russell Wilson isn't worth three wins flipping to the other side. So then you're a ten and seven team. You're a wild card playoff team at worst. At worst, yeah, hundred percent.
0: And there's been there's been slight rumors now. Deshaun Watson in his case, all that stuff is supposed to kind of come to a head as of Friday, which is obviously, if you're listening to this, the day it comes out is tomorrow. So that case may be coming to an end. And there have been rumors that. Seattle may try to jump into that pool and turn around and try to bring Deshaun Watson in now, which if they don't give up the world, which they probably are going to have to, especially to beat out teams like Pittsburgh and Indy, Carolina. who are probably going to join this hunt in Carolina that are going to join this hunt. Seattle could be right back in, in the driver's seat again
1: because they've added.
0: And, and again, at that point it makes no sense to have Drew Locke be a part of this trade at all. But I, that's I a don't, that's I don't a completely that's a complete another conspiracy theory for another time. So Yeah,
1: I don't I don't think they're gonna be deep in that 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 group right there. I don't think they'll probably that, make
0: I mean... a phone call, hear what uh hear what Pittsburgh and Carolina are offering and be like, never mind. <laughs> <We're> yeah. <good."
1: laughs> they don't have they don't have nearly like this this is making up for them not getting for what they gave up for Jamal Adams a couple years ago. So Seattle doesn't really have a lot of the capital that some of these other teams have that are going to be able to make a move like that. Um,
0: You want to move on to the next one? Yeah. Bring it on. Uh, Carson Wentz officially moves, moved from the Colts back into his old division in the NFC East. The Washington commanders acquire Carson Wentz and the Colts second round pick this year. The Colts get a third round pick this year. There's the the commander's second round pick this year and a twenty twenty three conditional third round pick that could convert to a second if Wentz plays seventy percent of the snaps, just like the Colts got or the Eagles got a first round pick this year because Carson Wentz played seventy percent of the snaps this year for Indy. Um, obviously the the Commanders will as well take on Carson Wentz's huge contract, which is like a twenty million dollar hit at least for the next three years.
1: Yeah. I I have some interesting thoughts to this. I yeah. I mean, my first thought is I'm surprised the Colts got so much back for this, to be honest yeah. with you. Uh I mean, they gave up two first rounders, so this still is a net loss in the trade, right? Um or no, they gave up one, sorry. Is that is that right? They gave up one first rounder. I think form? I believe it's
0: just one, one and yeah. a third maybe.
1: Cuz cuz the two turned into a one this year. So Yeah. Um so it's still, it's still a net loss. I'm surprised they got this much of a haul for him. Uh, I don't think it makes a lot of sense. I think you and I both said that we would run it back with him for another year. Um, yeah. I'll I mean, be they interested.
0: Moved, they moved up five picks in the second round and got a third round of this year and then a third, possibly a second next year is all they right. got back for him. Um, I We both did agree. Uh, now, there was things that came out that he uh, wasn't really particular of hard coaching, which I mean, anytime you hear a player being uncoachable or tough to coach, that's immediately calls question to your character and your career. So, um, if there was off the field issues or like meeting room issues, instead of on the field issues, I can see why Indy wanted to move on. But again, all of a sudden now, oh, there's another trade on here that I believe, I don't know if it was made official, but, uh, that I'm, I'm going to preface now, but I thought I saw that Jimmy G officially got dealt. Or I don't, again, I don't know if it was official. I thought Jimmy G got dealt to new Orleans.
1: Mm, I read that it would be finalized the next couple days. I don't think it's, oh, anything it's, not, it's uh, not official yet. Yeah. So nothing, again, we,
0: nothing's locked in. That was the top spot that they were going to go next. They were going to move from Wentz, go get Jimmy G, which again, I don't think is an upgrade. It, it's probably an upgrade, but the upside obviously is much higher with Carson Wentz than it is with Jimmy G. But now it's thinking that that deal is pretty well set in stone, and the only reason it's not is because Indy's probably going to gun as hard as possible to get Jimmy G, uh, to be a Colt next year. So, a- again, what what's the upgrade? Where, if you have off the field issues, you're going to have to move them. You're probably going to have to take the loss on the field and in the trades. You're going to have to take the L and move on. Um, but. I told my buddies this today and I was like I just I don't see it. Jimmy G is not an upgrade. Obviously any rookie this year won't be an upgrade for the future it probably is. Right. But you're in the same spot. A lot of Colts are in win now. A lot of Colts fans that I know are in win now mode. They're like I could give two shits. We have Jonathan Taylor, we have DeForest Buckner. I want to go win games right now. And you missed the boat. Aaron Rodgers resigned. Russell Wilson is a Bronco. Jimmy G might be going to the Saints, and I still don't think he's that much of an upgrade. Because again, we talked about what does it take to make a Super Bowl and win a Super Bowl in today's league? You have to have a difference maker at the quarterback spot, or you have to have a Hall of Fame defensive end, a Hall of Fame linebacker, one of the better run games of the league, a top five head coach, this, that, this, that, and the other. And the Colts have some of those things. They have some of them. They definitely don't have all of them. And the most important thing is they definitely don't have a top five head coach. I'll tell you that.
1: Yeah, um, I, I don't I, I'm confused by this move just as much as you are. Um, I, I've seen a lot of rumors that it's going to be they're going to go hard for um, Mitch Trubisky as well, that he very well might be the cold starter next year, which I wish I could say I was surprised, but I'm not um, again, not an upgrade. It's it it's a better bridge quarterback. I'd rather them do that than go out and trade more capital to try to get jimmy garoppolo in or something like that
0: i would i would sign mr trubisky for a year draft quarterback next year and and unless you're really like deshaun watson is obviously the pipe dream but there is no way in hell the texans are going to deal with the division i can't see it happening
1: yeah it's it's going to be interesting to kind of see i I, yeah i and and they're not a team that's really kind of gone they've gone in all in once and it really didn't pay off all that well to be honest with you so they're in,
0: they're in one of the worst spots now in my opinion because there's not really an upgrade at the quarterback spot i don't think any of the quarterbacks this year really move the needle at nine or at one as far as being a, a a true nine you know there's a chance obviously these guys are being taken in the first round there's a chance they're franchise guys but like last year was a good quarterback draft next year is supposed to be a solid draft but again this team isn't really doesn't want to wait a year to go, you know, they don't want to sit for a year and then go drop to QB next year and then let him develop for three years and then try to go win. That's not what this roster, this roster is built to win. Now the issue is all the win Now quarterbacks have officially been off the board. I
1: I'm curious to see, especially for the Colts side of this. And we'll, we'll switch over to the, the commanders got to hate that name. That's so weird side here in a second. I'm curious to see what quarterbacks available at 16 and if they don't have major regret, right? That would have been their pick that Philly's picking at for him. Um you know, if a Kenny Pickett's available at 16 or well, What do you, you think know,
0: they do at 9? Cuz now officially they have picked 9. Uh they who? Well, no. That's that's the Broncos. Never mind.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're th- you're thinking yeah. last trade, sorry. No, no, no. My we're apologies. talking we're talking Colts now. 16, what they would have had the that pick. Like if Kenny Pickett's there or Matt Corral or, you know what I mean? Like they're probably going to regret not having that pick. Right. So in the first place, do they just eat, you know, last year, they just eat a year stink. And then who knows, maybe they have a top 10 pick instead and they can
0: have their quarterback of choice. So, yeah, they just don't have a first round now. That's That's uh, definitely a rough uh, spot to be in.
1: I think if you're the commanders, you have nothing to lose by this trade. Uh, I mean, uh, I where do you think he ranks? I mean, he's probably the second or third best quarterback in this division now. Um, behind, obviously, Dak Prescott is one. Um, probably the third. Probably the third behind Jalen Hurts.
0: Behind Jalen Hurts, ahead of whoever the hell the Giants end up starting by
1: Week One. Daniel Jones, more than likely. Or there's yeah. been Mitchell Trubisky rumors there too, which is so fucking weird. But so crazy. That, but yeah. So either way, I mean. For them, it, it puts you in a spot of I think he's an upgrade over Ryan Fitzpatrick and Taylor Heineke. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they try to move one of those guys for a mid-round pick, you know, more than likely Heineke. Um, I could see Heineke. Heineke is a high-end backup. I would Heineke say. is
0: solid, man. Like so, There's a lot of teams like teams are looking for now, what teams should be looking for now is, all right, I have I have a stud of a starter. If he goes down for four games, who's the guy that's going to come in and at least win two to keep us afloat? Because, you know, if you lose your starter for four games, you go 0-4, that severely dampens your playoff chances. So, like, when Aaron Rodgers goes down for four games, is Jordan Love the guy that's going to come in and win two games? Right now, Green Bay doesn't think so. Taylor Heineke is a guy that can do that, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, and he's going to fit a lot of schemes as well. I mean, they won seven games with him last year so. I I think Taylor is a, a high end backup, you know, for some team, or and Ryan Fitzpatrick's probably going to play on a team that has you know the last team out with no quarterback options. Yeah. So and
0: and Heineke could also to me could really challenge for a starting spot somewhere. Like that's a guy, and again, it's not going to happen. Being a division, the Giants, I feel like should look at if they, if the price tag is low. Again, if they weren't in division, uh, Carolina, if you missed the boat on Jimmy G, I'd look at Taylor Heineke. Depending on what I'm looking at it in the draft, I I think
1: some of these teams are going to be burnout of bridge quarterbacks. So I think yeah. the Colts are and they're going to be list. sick
0: of losing out on the last four times they've tried to go right QB as well. I
1: like the Colts, Carolina. I don't think if it's if they have to give something up. <coughs> excuse me. Um, I don't see them making a big splash this year because. I mean, they want the guy, right? Like they're probably very tired of bridge quarterbacks at this point. Um, so they're going to do everything they can to try and get a guy that they think is, is the guy. And that's going to take them over the hump. So um, I, I don't see, I don't see them making too big of a splash on anybody here, but that's just, just my opinion. We'll see here.
0: Yeah. Uh, the last thing I want to talk about when it comes to the, the Colts and the commanders before we move on, Darius Leonard tweeted about this. Did you see his tweet today?
1: I did see his tweet. He yeah. said 5 years with the Colts, 5 different quarterbacks. Yeah, like the that.
0: the exact to to quote Darius Leonard here. Here we go again. About to be 5 year with the Colts and 5 different quarterbacks. Thank you Carson for everything this year my guy. Wish you nothing but the best. Um definitely can understand the frustration. Um not again, I don't think ever voicing your frustrations on social media ever bodes well. But yeah. I can understand the frustration because you look now, this is going to be the sixth straight year that Indy will not have the same starting quarterback in week one as they did the year before. So bridging back, obviously that Carson Wentz last year, the year before is Philip Rivers, Jacoby Brissett, Andrew Luck, Scott Tolson actually filled in, in uh, 2017. I believe Andrew Luck was still hurt and Andrew Luck again in 2016. So,
1: I I have some thoughts on this. My my initial thought is like one, you kind of knew what this franchise was. Like they've been a quarterback away for a while now. So last year when you signed that five year hundred million dollar extension, you probably should have been like, Oh, I kinda get what I'm what I'm signing up for here. Mm-hmm. Um and he's not in a high enough demand position where I could ever see them if he demanded a trade, like what's the most they would get out of him? You know what I mean? Um Inside linebacker is one of those positions right now. It's values at a all-time low, whereas probably 10 years ago, it was an all-time high. Um, yeah. So it, it's just a weird spot of like, am I slightly uncomfortable that he said all of this?
0: Yeah, sure. Am I super shocked? Not no. really. I can understand the frustration, especially yeah. being a defensive guy. Like, That's just, anybody that's been close to a football locker room or a part of one, even at the high school or college level, can tell you, When you perform as a top ten, even top five defense in your division, conference, whatever you want to say in the nation, whatever it is, and you look over and you're losing games fourteen to seven because you 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 buckled the other team's offense in, but you cannot score a touchdown on the other side of the ball, you start pointing fingers like it's a frustrating thing to be a part of, and it's common. So I can hundred percent understand where he's coming from. But again, being a being to me, the vocal leader of this defense, this is the guy that's been there for six years now. Like DeForest Buckner may be a, a better player, but he just landed in Indy two years ago. This mm-hmm. is your your guy, the maniac, Darius Leonard. And he's the one that's, you know, voicing his frustrations on social media. I don't, it's definitely not a good look, but we all, you know, that's pretty obvious.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's not a great look, but it's not like earth shaking to me at the it's same not, time. It's not
0: Kyler Murray deleting everything Cardinals related, which he right. actually went back. He didn't delete it. He archived all the posts and then put it back up. Right? He since went back and put them all back up now. So who knows? We'll see what happens there as well.
1: Yeah, I think I think they gave a lot of contracts to people around him that made him feel more comfortable. But we're not talking about that right now. No, we're not. We talked we, enough
0: about him last week.
1: We we have a lot of stuff we got to try to get through this show, so we're gonna keep her keep her moving along here. Keep her going, keep her going. Um, the next three aren't super long topics, so that's good. Um, Bobby Wagner getting cut same day as the Russell Wilson trade. Um, yeah, uh, you were a little more shocked by this than I was. So
0: I, I think I was more shocked by first that they didn't try to trade him because I felt like value is still there. Again, you talked about the middle linebacker being probably the least valued it's been in the last 10 years, but having a game changer in the middle of the field can still be a, a very solid thing. And to me, in my eyes, I don't know what his contract was. I definitely, as a player would value him as a, a third, second round guy to a contender, in my opinion. Um, and also just the, the, the ridiculousness that him and Russell Wilson landed in Seattle and joined the team on the very same day. 10 years ago and they are now both departing on the very same day Uh was a crazy coincidence as well.
1: I don't think a 31 year old or a 30 year old middle linebacker at his contract cost would get a second or a third round pick. So
0: how, how much do you, did you look it up before, before we started recording at all? I did. And I don't remember what it was. I'm, a, I'm curious. Cause if it's a small, if it's a, I'm okay with, Paying Bobby Wagner a decent bit, as long as it's not a long contract. That's the only thing that would. That, uh. Signed a 54 million three. Uh, okay. Nah. Alright, let's so, see. What's, uh, what are we talking here?
1: They were set to pay him $20 million. So. $20 million
0: for this year, This or year, next year? This year. And then how much was next year down the line? Because that's the only thing. If it's a two-year contract, I I might have paid him, to be
1: honest. Uh, I think that's crazy. Uh, it just kind of
0: depends on where I'm at as a team. Like, obviously, the Saints and the the Rams and the Broncos aren't making – or not the Broncos, the Packers aren't making that move. But as a team trying to get over the hump that has a little bit of money to spend
1: I, – I, I mean – when Darius Leonard is in that same category and he's 26 and Bobby Wagner's, you know what I mean?
0: 31 going on
1: 32. Yeah, exactly. He's not going to get, he's not going to get better. He's only going to get worse. Probably. At this I'll tell you this career. for
0: sure. If it was a one it, like if his contract just had this year left and he was a free agent at the end of next season, I <laughs> that, definitely would have been a hundred percent. Okay. with trading for him at that point. Yes. It, it would have it, been another situation.
1: This would have been, this would have been the last year
0: coming up. This was, this was his last season in Seattle. Yeah, that he got cut for. Yeah, I would have traded. I would have given up a second round if I, if I was the right team, like a Buffalo. If Kansas City had money, <laughs> um, to spend, I would have given it. Because I would have looked at it the same way. Von line and I get edge is more important than middle linebacker, but yeah. I, I think it is it's still as much as it's not as important as it used to be. It's still an underrated spot to have the captain, a captain of your defense as talented I, as Bobby Wagner is. I,
1: I see what you're trying to say here. I just don't think it hits home because he's not going to be a guy that puts you over the edge in a category. Right. So if you go out and like when the Rams traded for Jalen Ramsey, right at by adding that number one corner, it makes your, your entire secondary that much better. Right. You can move your second best corner you know, your first your what was your corner one into the second slot, making him better by going out and getting a Bobby Wagner. You're not gonna, you know, you're not adding a 15 sack a year kind of guy. You're not, you're not going out and making a, a big splash, if you will. You know what I mean? Like he's not going to put you over the top in one certain way. That's going to be so impactful that a team's going to see the value in that.
0: It, but I mean, for a year, if Von Miller's worth a second and a third, I would give up if I was Philly, if I was, I would at least give up a third for him. I would, I don't think so. If I I was Philly or if I was just anybody that's got a solid defense and is looking to kind of take the next step. And again, he may not get you over the hump, but like I would say Chicago, but Roquan Smith to me kind of does the job already. I don't need Bobby Wagner in Chicago, but that's, that's a, a team that I could see him landing at, but we'll see. He's definitely gonna have suitors when it comes to free agency because people may not have wanted to pay 20 million for him. I guarantee somebody's gonna pay him at least 10.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, maybe we'll see. We'll it'll see. Be, it'll be I, I'm
0: excited to see what happens because Baltimore's definitely been a name that's been circulating already, but.
1: And, and I'm sure too, part of it is they went to him and they said, Hey, listen, like, we're either going to trade you or cut you. We're probably only going to get like a fourth or a fifth rounder back. You know, you've been with the team so long, like, Hey, what would you rather just be cut and you pick where you go? He probably said, yes. Would Fair you enough. Guess? Yeah.
0: That's a, that's a very good point as well.
1: That That's probably what happened of like the team was like, okay, Hey, like, you know, if we're going to move on from you. What would you rather be? <laughs> and yeah. it might also be a situation where if they trade him, there's more dead money to it. There are yeah. cases like that. So it might've been one of those ones where he was like, there's no shot that we're, we're doing that. So yeah, we're going to trade
0: you. That's fair enough. I'm excited to see where he lands. It definitely is going to spice up the off season even more. Cause again, this is one of those things that wasn't led by it. We're expected to cut him or we're going to try to trade him. It was uh, like Amari Cooper, which is he's obviously one of the next players we're going to talk about here is expected to be cut soon that headline came out a week a week or so ago he was expected to be released by the cowboys this was like they traded uh they traded uh russell wilson to denver and then like eight to ten hours later they're like by the way we cut bobby wagner too you're like hold the effing phone this wasn't even (sighs) mentioned beforehand
1: (laughs) they're they're ready to rock and roll they were they're yeah. not they're not messing around so no,
0: they're ready to reset it and uh trust pete carroll to rebuild the franchise and get him back to the promised land again yeah so. to give you to give you an idea
1: pfp had him ranked uh his grade for last season was 71.8 what so, was it the year before? before i'm curious oh god i don't know if i can view that i don't pay it should there credit. should
0: are you still there on the website oh, yeah. On okay P5? yeah
1: just click down 83.2 in 2020
0: it's definitely not as high as a 20 million guy should be getting, but
1: yeah, we'll see. 28, 2018. He was a 91.7 and he's a, down to it. It's a big drop in three. It's
0: definitely a big drop. I'm excited to talk about the franchise tags. Cause I went and I went ahead and pulled the, pull some numbers on those guys too. Cause I was surprised by one of them, but a Mark Cooper still expected to be released. They're still trying to, to trade him somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably trying to save some money, obviously get some capital back again why a team says they're going to release someone and then try to trade them will never ever make sense to me um because somebody can go sign him for three years at 15 instead of one year at 20 and then try to pay him afterwards
1: i think it gives you a guaranteed like hey we're going to cut this guy do you want it gives you a guaranteed crack at him right so yeah, but um, also
0: I feel like you lose a lot of leverage because teams like, why the hell would I give you even a, a fifth rounder? Like, if it's that low, if teams are offering like fifth and sixth, yeah, do it because then you don't have to try the bidding war option. But as far as a second, third, or even a first round pick, I'm like, I'd rather just wait and sign him for agency. Like
1: yeah it'll it'll be interesting to see. like it's the the
0: carolina stefan gilmore thing i'm like oh the sixth rounder yes i don't even let's not try the bidding war thing in free agency we'll just trade him to him give it to him we'll we'll pay him when the time comes but if if we're talking second and third most teams like "Ah, we'll just wait we'll see what the price tag looks like in free agency we'll decide then
1: yeah i i think amari cooper it's it's an interesting one right he's not super old by any means. Uh, He's 27. So I'm curious to see. I mean, it wouldn't be surprising if a team throws out like a fourth rounder just to guarantee even, even a fourth rounder for one year of them is probably worth it. Um, I would do that. Yeah. And the wide receiver market's so weird. There's so many teams that feel like they need a wide receiver, but you know what I mean? They, they don't have the room or the capital or something. So it'll be, it'll be weird to see. There's a lot of, there's like three or four guys that are probably going to go in the first round this year, two
0: far as wide receivers go. So, yeah, and uh, I mean, two of the two of the guys came out of free agency being tagged as well. And Mike Williams free signs with the Chargers. He was another big name in the free agency market. Uh, he signs a three year, sixty million dollar extension with the Chargers, forty million dollars guaranteed. How do you feel about the money in this contract?
1: I I don't know. I think. I always, and this is just a personal thing. I always hate paying guys who have had
0: one good year. Um, and this is the, 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 funniest thing to me about this is like, it's that it's the telltale thing. It always happens. We saw it with Trey flowers. We see it with a lot of guys. Oh, it's a contract year. All of a sudden he has a career year. You pay him and then he stinks. Right. And, like, and what, I'm not saying Mike Williams is going to stink and he did have a career year, but let's be a hundred percent real. The career year ended about week, like week nine, like yeah. he was a world breaker for nine weeks, and then it was like meh, he was okay. He's was, he was, it didn't even take a full contract year to get him there. He got paid off of nine games this year.
1: I, and he kind of was banged up towards the end of the year, if I remember correctly. I, I just, I, there's some things that I don't get about this. I mean, it's not a, an insane amount of money, at least it's still more than I'd probably pay for. I mean, one, if you're Justin Herbert and you said, Hey, I like this guy. Go get this, keep this guy for me. Okay. Yep. Then I, then I do it right. Like uh, that, that I think is having to do some, some part of it is they might've gone to Justin. They're like, Hey, if we let him walk, how pissed are you going to be And he's like, probably pretty pissed. And he's like, they're like, okay, we're going to keep him." Um, I'm wondering if that does not have some influence, but yeah, I don't love, I mean, he jumped up 20 catches compared to his last two seasons this year. He went from like a 50 catch guy to a 70 catch guy, nine yeah. touchdowns. Um, I don't, I don't, he doesn't feel like a true one to me. That's what I'll say. Um,
0: I would agree, especially with the team that has Keenan Allen on his roster, who is a better receiver.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the thing is like, is he thriving because he's in a two spot? Like what happens when Keenan Allen retires or moves on? Right. Like, is this a guy that you really are going to feel good about paying $20 million a year to? I I don't know. Maybe, maybe they see something that I don't see in the value yeah. here. And, and it'll come down to, right? Like, yeah, is he motivated because he was in a contract year last year? Or if if that's the Mike Williams you see every single year and you can get him to do it for a whole season, it's not the worst thing in the world.
0: No, definitely not. If he plays the way he did for the first eight weeks for the next three years, worth every F and penny. I'll tell you that much. And Keenan Allen's probably finding a new team to play for because it's hard to pay two guys $20 million a year. And Keenan Allen's going to demand around that money. Not Probably not twenty, but... I definitely wouldn't be surprised if that was the first offer he threw on the table and they had to talk him down from that
1: yeah i don't I don't know if he'll get that I mean Keenan Allen's an older guy at this point in his career
0: he is and he, he still falls in the, the 15 probably the 16- the 15 range probably the wide receiver it's so hard to rank wide receivers um,
1: he's yeah he's 29 years old right now so
0: but he is he's always been one of the more underrated receivers in the game. So I'll be curious, but that happens. Uh, we've seen the whole, like, he thrives in the two spot. He's not really as good as a one thing has happened a lot. I think the most recent one to me is Juju Smith-Schuster. When AB left, remember, he had such a good rookie year, and he right. left, and everyone's like, "Wow, let him walk. Are you kidding me? This kid's the future, and he's now been, you know, as inner trade talks here and there, he almost – He almost went elsewhere. He's trying to get one-year deals to make more money this year, and guess what he's not going to do this year is make more money. So we've seen that fail before, but we'll see if Keenan Allen resigns and as well. If he leaves, what's going to happen to Mike Williams going forward with that $20 million price tag? I mean,
1: they have Keenan Allen locked up through 2024. So Uh, they're um, not going to find
0: out then until last year, maybe, possibly.
1: Yeah, and his numbers pretty. It's sixteen five this year, nineteen the following year, and twenty three one the year after that.
0: And that could, I mean, that could also cause some dissension because I'm going to this year on the death chart, and Keenan Allen is one, and Mike Williams is two. Is Keenan Allen gonna have an issue with his two receiver being paid more than he is?
1: Now? Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see. It'll it'll be interesting. I I like. I don't know. It can't hurt to keep your receiving core intact, but I, I question. You know what is a Juju go out and get in free agency this year? You know what I mean? Exactly. Uh, Yeah. That'll, that'll be like, cause Juju's a strong two, you
0: know,
1: and maybe, maybe a middle of the road too, but you get my point of like, he's one of those guys that you're going to sit out there and go, you know, what, what does he get? What is, what does that look like?
0: Yeah. I think he's he's definitely at least a middle of the road too. I think he's proven that he can be a strong two, but he hasn't done it for multiple years. Right. And I think Deontay Johnson has set himself as the one receiver in Pittsburgh. But he still wasn't the solid two this year. But also, the quarterback play wasn't great. There's a lot of there's a lot of factors that comes into play with Juju. So, but there's also again we talked about how when it comes to depth, this wide receiver market is loaded with talent, with guys like Juju, and there's other receivers that are hitting free agency that are going to be around that mid level point. And the draft is a deep class that you can get. A second or a third rounder, and probably have that strong second two that you could probably get that guy in the second
1: yeah. or third round. DJ so. Chark, Allen Robinson, Juju, mm-hmm. um, just to name a couple. Yeah, a couple of those mid tier guys. Michael Gallup, Um, he's always hurt, but you know he'll he'll be yeah. on that that radar. And Will and Fuller's if you want a to even agent. upgrade,
0: Amari Cooper is not going to be a free agent at this point as well. So yeah, who it's knows. True. Um, Before we hop into our franchise tech talk, another quick second to talk about our second sponsor today. Um, One of the most dynamic and globally recognized entertainment forces of our time opens up about his life in a brave and inspiring book that traces his learning curve to a place where outer success, inner happiness and human connection are all aligned. Along the way, Will Smith tells his story in a full and one of the most amazing rides through the worlds of music and film that anyone has ever had. Will Smith's transformation from a fearful child in a tense West Philadelphia home to one of the biggest rap stars of his era and one of the biggest movie stars in Hollywood history, with a string of box office successes that will likely never be broken, is a tale of inner transformation and outer triumph, and Will tells it astonishingly well, but it's only half the story. This memoir is a product of a profound journey of self-knowledge and a reckoning that all, excuse me, a reckoning that all that your will can get you and all that it can leave behind. Written with the help of Mark Manson, author of the multi-million copy bestseller, The Subtle Art to Give a Fuck, to Not Give a Fuck, Will is the story of how one person mastered Oh, I just lost my... Why is my phone tweaking out? There we go. I apologize. So, written with the help of author Mark Manson, uh, who's also the author of the multi-million copy bestseller, The Subtle Art to Not Giving a Fuck. Will is the story of how one person masters his own emotions, written in a way that can help everyone else do the same. Few of us will know the pressure of performing on the world's biggest stages for the highest of stakes but we can all understand that the fuel that works for one stage of our journey might be might have to be changed if we want to make it all the way home. The combination of genuine wisdom of universal value and a life story that is preposterously entertaining, even astonishing, even astonishing puts Will the book like its author in a category all by itself. A little rough some technical difficulties, but we got through it. We, we, we worked our way through that one persevere, Um, just like Will Smith did persevere through the technical difficulties. So before
1: before we jump into this next topic here, um, we, we have one on here that we didn't write down. I want to talk about real quick. Okay. Um, Calvin Ridley being suspended for a season. Oh
0: my God. How did we not write this down? I'm so glad you mentioned this
1: as, as we were, before we jumped into this, I was like, man, we don't have this on here. I'm like, we really need to talk about this. So, um, we are going to talk about basketball today. I promise this isn't going to be. This is the problem. You get we get really excited about football, so we can ramble on. We're going yeah. to try to fly through this next section. We are going to uh, re rank the top twenty five um, for the NBA All seventy five team, kind of going off the the ESPN ones. But mm-hmm. uh, let's let's talk about this real quick. What are your initial thoughts on him being suspended for a season?
0: I, I think the suspension is a little long in my opinion. Um, there's two sides to it because I feel like it's a little long because I feel like guys have gotten a lot less suspensions for a lot worse. Um, but at the same time, it's one of those things where there's not really a lot of gray area. The NFL is like, Hey, don't bet on games. And it's pretty easy to not bet on games. So it's one of those punishments where you kind of get punished more for your stupidity than what you did. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think you see that in a lot of things, you know, like there's sometimes there's some gray area where there could be some misconception or like there's gray area on the degree of what you did. This is like a pretty black and white. Don't bet on games. And he did. So I don't know. I'm a little 50 50 on it. I do feel like a whole year is a little much in my opinion.
1: I'll say a couple of things on this. And one, I want to say to the people who are comparing it to past suspensions of people who have committed violent crimes. I a hundred percent agree with you, right? Like yeah. people have gotten away with a lot more with a lot less. 100%. Um, The reason that I think this one is, and I'm not justifying it when I say it like this, to be clear, I'm just saying this is, this is the way that I think the other side of the coin is seeing it is far as the image of the brand of the NFL to have players out there betting on it is probably your worst case scenario, right? Like um, this goes back to like the Chicago White Sox throwing that World Series. If you did that in modern day times, where there is probably hundreds of millions of dollars on if a not World Series, right? Of it, uh, all out there, like that would be catastrophic for like the NFL for, or. I mean, back then, the MLB, you know what I'm saying? But so I I think this is a message that they're sending to all players of, listen, if you get caught doing this, uh, it's a problem. And for the people who go, well, he bet on his team to win. The fact that they have insider information makes it unfair. So they should not be allowed to bet on games at all because the injury report is garbage that the public gets. I mean, Tom Brady had a sprained MCL all season and it never hit the injury report. Right. he played through it. So like the fact that these players one know what's really going on in the locker room, um, two, they might have insider information because they're friends with other guys around the league of what's happening of like, you know, Hey, Aaron Rodgers, or, you know, not, I'm not going to say Aaron Rodgers. drew Locke's, you know, girlfriend just broke up with him, or drew Locke was late to team meetings this morning. He might not play the fact that they might have that information before anyone else should before just, imme- the, the odds can change exactly. Or the general public even knows I think should immediately just dis- uh, exclude them from betting at all. So I, I, I think this season is a bit extreme. I think they could have got away with half a season. But yeah. I think it, for them, it was their way of sending a message of "Hey, we will not tolerate this going forward." Just so you know.
0: Yeah, and like I said, it's one of those black and white things. It's kind of hard to to break the rule. Um, you have to blatantly. You can't accidentally bet on a football game. You know, um, you can't accidentally break this rule. So it feels like again one of those things. But it also feels like Roger Goodell cracking on, cracking down on the dumb things while bigger issues are left unaddressed. mm Hmm. Um, so, yeah, yeah it's and, a, it, it's and it muddles. He was, spot. he was a trade target this offseason. season. Uh, yeah. We talked about all the receivers possibly being moved and hitting free agency and being drafted. And this was the top trade target outside of Amari Cooper that had entered talks, you know, New England was the top suitor really that I had heard. Um,
1: yeah. We like trading with Atlanta. I mean, I don't know if anything would have happened there. <laughs> he, he again, doesn't feel like a true number one. So I really, I'm kind of glad we're not going to trade for him.
0: I think Calvin Ridley is a one in my opinion. I think he's a I'm not saying he's a high end one by any stretch, but I I would put Calvin Ridley in my top 20 receivers probably in the NFL. I, I
1: need a I need a strong one. I need a strong strong one. We have a lot of like we have like you've four never guys had or a two's. strong
0: outside of Randy Moss for 2 years and Wes Welker. You've never had a strong one in your Patriots fandom. Why is there a need for one now?
1: Uh, because we have a rookie quarterback You're just because I don't have Tom
0: Brady anymore. Oh, and yes, that's why. <laughs> that's
1: why we don't have the greatest quarterback of all time. So we are, <laughs> we are somewhat required now to, to make sure we have a really good wide receiver core around this kid. Cause that's I want, I, I want to make sure we don't let him fail because I know what our running back room is always going to look like. It's going to be a bunch of guys from the mid rounds that nobody's ever heard of, but somehow produced for this team. Yeah. So I would well, love I think... it if we had some stability in the wide receiver room, at least.
0: And I think it's a it's a pretty well known fact, but I think Baltimore proved it this year that like running back by committee can work, hundred percent can work. Baltimore lost all three the the only three running backs that were on roster last year. Baltimore lost all three of them to injury before the year, and I get that Lamar Jackson, Tyler Huntley had a big role to play in this, but they still had the third best rushing offense in the NFL this year, yardage wise. It's true with Devonta Freeman, Latavius Murray, and Tyson Williams as their top three guys, and four games of Le'Veon Bell. So um into franchise tags so these are all the guys that, that the franchise tag deadline has officially passed um most of these guys were kind of seen as guys were going to be tagged there were two that didn't get tagged that a lot of people thought were one of those guys signed a long-term extension so obviously he's not going to get tagged in that spot so to run through the tags that did happen uh the packers officially tagged Devonte adams the bucks tagged chris godwin the Bengals bring back Jesse Bates, the Chiefs and Orlando Brown Jr. The Jags bring back Cam Robinson on a tag, uh, the Cowboys. And then there's three tight ends. It's the first time ever since uh, the franchise tag has been installed that three tight ends have been franchise tagged in the same season. Uh, the Cowboys bring back Dalton Schultz, the Browns, David Njoku, and the Dolphins with Mike Gesicki. So – uh, to break this down one by one, Devontae Adams, obvious. Aaron Rodgers is coming back. You got to bring back the best receiver in football. It's going to happen. Um, yeah,
1: I don't think there's any doubt that this was the right move for the Packers. You cannot let that man walk out the door for absolutely no, nothing. It so, can't happen. Makes, makes complete and utter sense to me. Uh, to it's probably to
0: the stipulation in Aaron Rodgers coming back next year is you have to use the tag on Devontae Adams. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. The Bucks bring back Chris Godwin again. He's a big part of that Super Bowl team. He is the two on this team, but and ex- probably the most talented two in the entire league. Um, yeah,
1: yeah. I was a li- this one surprised me a little bit more than the rest did because he is he is a strong two. Don't get me wrong. Um, but with no quarterback here, I don't know if this really makes a ton of sense. But- they must
0: have plans. I, I'm thinking they've got to have something in the works now. Um, yeah.
1: If you go out and get a Jimmy Garoppolo or something like that, I think this this is a really smart move. If you're rocking with uh Blaine Gabber and uh Kyle Trask, I'm I'm, I'm not so hot on this
0: one. Yeah, that's fair. Uh the Bengals bring back Jesse Bates, who had a had a rough year this year, hundred percent, but made up for it in the last two uh games in their postseason run and to me was the best safety in football two years ago. Not not this last season just finished, but the year before. Yes. Um, Key part of the defense, I feel this was, to me, a no-brainer as well. Yeah, I
1: I have no questions about this one.
0: Uh, Chiefs bring back Orlando Brown Jr., again, you give up pick 31. They gave up draft capital to go get him. They wanted a franchise left tackle. Uh, I think they're going to end up overpaying for him in the long run. I don't think he's as good as advertised. But, again, when you give up a guy and you think a guy fits a stature, even if no one else does, you're going to want to pay him in the long run. Obviously, they – hadn't got a chance to get the deal done. The tag makes sense here.
1: Yeah. I am not surprised. Like you said, they gave up capital. So you're definitely not going to let them leave that quickly. A year uh, afterwards. A year afterwards for, especially for what they paid for them. So I think it makes sense. It gives them another year to evaluate. Hey, can we try to negotiate them down or, or get them a little bit less? Yeah. I'd, I'd be interested to see if they keep him.
0: Oh, excuse me. left tackler. If he doesn't get moved around somewhere else. Yeah, I think he's going to be pissed if he plays elsewhere, but we'll see what happens. Um, the Jags tag Cam Robinson. Um, this is actually the second time. Cam Robinson was franchise tagged last year as well. Was he really? Uh, yeah, I was, trust me, I was just as shocked to find that out as you. I'll, I want to wrap back to him because uh, there's, there's obvious when you read all these names, one of these names just doesn't belong, and Cam Robinson is the one name. Mm-hmm. Um, Cowboys bring back Dalton Schultz um it makes took a s- lot of- oh go yeah. ahead he took a step forward this year was pivotal in the offense and i think um again it's one another one of those things where like he had a really really good contract year so i feel like the tag honestly kind of helps the cowboys in the long run here because now they got to see can he sustain it is he worth the big money deal at the tight end spot going
1: forward and i think especially if you're gonna let amari cooper go you need to try to maintain some you know if you want this offense to be high performing you yeah. have to keep some weapons around so i think keeping him around makes too much sense Yeah, because if
0: schultz left we're talking about three of their top four receiving targets would have been out the door because michael gallup's probably gone too and it would have just just left cd lamb and yeah uh,
1: that's that's a Dallas. big holes to fill so i i like the i like this move especially if you're gonna get rid of amari cooper
0: agreed uh the browns bring back david njoku on the franchise tag um, I was a tad bit surprised, but, uh after hearing some other things along the way, it makes sense.
1: If you're going to shop Austin Hooper, I mean, they're kind of a net same to me, you know what I mean? So the, I guess they're hoping that maybe they can pay in Juco less than they're paying Hooper right now and try to move on from Hooper.
0: I think they will. Cause Austin Hooper was probably a top 10, top five tight end. When he signed that contract, he is yet to play anywhere close to that. And I think also the scheme can, can affect that. He was the second target, if not the third target to, to Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley uh, in Atlanta. And now has just the the Browns offense didn't produce through the air as well. And well,
1: I, I think part of it too is he was in a system in Atlanta where the, like Matt Ryan likes to throw to the tight end and it schemes well for tight ends, right? We saw Kyle Pitts the year that he had this year, where, you know what I mean? There's a lot of things that Matt Ryan likes to work with tight ends. Baker Mayfield coming from Oklahoma, you know, that's not an offense that you typically throw to the tight end a lot because typically there's not a tight end in. So, um, I think that has part of it too, is that, you know, the tight end in, you know, for Baker Mayfield and that kind of offense doesn't
0: typically always pay out super well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm all – and again, with, with Shopping Austin Hooper, it just makes sense to try to keep Njoku around because you're probably going to pay him less in the long run. Hopefully. Uh, Would yeah. be the goal. And then the Dolphins bringing back Mike Gesicki again, another guy that had a dynamite year last year. Um, a little bit of a slump this year, but again, young quarterback. They throw it to the side in a decent bend. Miami definitely wanted to keep him in town.
1: Yeah, it makes, it makes sense too. Uh, you don't have a lot of offensive weapons in Miami, so – you want to keep the ones that you do have around for sure
0: yeah 100 um so the numbers here are the 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 pff grades for each of these players in the last couple of years obviously Devonte adams last year 92.7 jesse bates two years ago was 90.1 like i said he had a rough year this year but again 90.1 was the second best safety in the league pro football focus grade two years ago um Chris Godwin 81.3 and then you get Dalton Schultz 78.1 Gasecki 78.1 Orlando Brown jr. 76.5 Najoku's was low at 70.9 but again he's the second tight end on his team uh he's not going to be out there as much to get his numbers up then Cam Robinson all the way down to 67.4 and for a guy that's receiving his second franchise tag is going to be making like I want to say it was like 17 million dollars this year off this tag that's crazy um for, for a guy that has not been good in his career um, and really muddles the number one overall pick because remember I came out and said that they're going to go tackle it one and they've now franchise tagged this guy for a second year. And I, I don't even know. 16.6 so. million is what he'll
1: yeah. get, which is crazy. And let's say you're not a PFP guy right like let's say if you're, you're not like oh, i don't trust their rankings i uh, ranked 48th among qualifying tackles with an 86.1 percent pass block win rate per espn stats and data research uh, which is below average at 87.5 so he's a below average offensive tackle that you're keeping so that makes little to no sense to me
0: and again like maybe you can justify a franchise tag if you you really sit there and spin it and spin it and spin it you can make it work a second franchise tag and now paying this guy 17 million dollars makes there's you'd have to be a spin doctor to even make it somewhat plausible
1: yeah it's it's a tough look i mean classic jaguars right like making a move like this this is like it's like cowboys cut amari cooper who's surprised uh Jags, you know, franchise tag cab Robinson. What a surprise. It's, just it, it classic just, moves by these franchises. It
0: makes us the Cowboys like cut Mark Cooper and then they go give they go pay Michael Gallup 19 a year. And you're like, what are we doing? And you're like, that would make no sense. That's what this it, it feels somewhat to the the stupidity of tagging Cam Robinson for a second year. It makes makes absolute sense. No sense. Yeah. So, yeah. 100% agreed. Um Before we get into basketball, definitely got some time to talk about basketball today. Our last little ad break here is going to come to us from Nutrisystem. Nutrisystem will help you transform your life inside out with a personalized weight management experience that's effective, simple to follow, and made just for you. Nutrisystem is a leader in the weight loss industry and have helped millions of people lose weight for nearly 50 years. Nutrisystem offers safe, effective, and scientifically backed weight loss plans with a distinguished science advisory board and strong clinical studies. All plans include comprehensive support and coaching options from trained weight loss coaches, registered dietitians, and certified diabetes educators available seven days a week from an award-winning contract center. Nutrisystem is committed to continually elevating the nutritional quality, taste, and overall appeal of its foods, through innovation and its food and nutrition mission, an ongoing effort to make its foods fresher, labels cleaner, and approach to ingredients more transparent. Sign up today at Nutrisystem.com with deals for men and women on the chef choices starting at just $10.21 a day, including free at-home delivery. So, with that, um, into our NBA our topic for the day. Yeah. Uh, We're going
1: to we're going to re-rank the top 25, uh, for those of you who, you know, we talked about it a little bit last time of the NBA came out with their top 75 team. Um, we're going to re-rank the top 25. We thought there was some, some gross misses in the, in the list as a whole for sure. Um,
0: yeah, hundred percent. We're going to, this is, so, so NBA came out with the team, and then ESPN decided to rank them. The NBA right. didn't obviously didn't rank them. There are some misses with the team. First of all, the NBA missed putting some guys on and missing some guys off. And then, obviously, again, ESPN, which is again, I said this last week, it's hundred percent expected. You're trying to rank any seventy five players in order in NBA history is gonna you're gonna miss. Mm-hmm. like it's gonna happen it's bound to happen there's 76 76 spots on their list um you're gonna miss every once in a while it's impossible to be perfect and it's impossible just to compare some of these guys generation to generation you know trying to compare like when you come down to the to the bottom of this list where some of the guys fall in like trying to to compare Dolph Shays, who played from 1948 to 1964, to Carmelo Anthony, who played from 03 to now, is insanity because Impossible. of just how, how different the game of basketball is played, you know?
1: Yeah. Uh, I, I tried to think of it as an all-inclusive of not only who do I, who would I, like, you know, if you gave me 25 players, this is what my big board would look like, but I also try to include some historical importance there, too. Yeah, I agree yeah. Uh, because that that does matter somewhat, even if they weren't playing in the most important or the toughest era in basketball. I think achievement still has to matter. So um, we're, we're going to start off, we're going to go five picks at a time. We'll start see. off with ESPN's list, then we'll go to Owens, then we'll go to Mines, and then okay. we'll kind of, we're not going to talk a ton about ESPN's list just because... There's going to be a lot that's going to be, there's going to be a lot of names and a lot of things that are happening.
0: So yeah. we're but going to can, try to, you can all go ahead. If you want to Google their list and read it pick by pick, you can, if you want to go follow it pick by pick while we talk about it, you're feel free to as well. Um, and we'll, we'll try to hit like,
1: you know, major talking points and things like that. Um, we're not going to cover every single 25 players because you know, that alone would probably be a two hour podcast. So, mm-hmm. um, ESPN's list, 25, is David Robinson, 24, is John Stockton, 23, Carl Malone, 22, Charles Barkley, 21, Kevin Garnett, and 20, Elgin
0: Baylor. All right, so my 25 to 20, I have John Stockton at 25, Isaiah Thomas at 24, Charles Barkley at 23, David Robinson at 22, Carl Malone at 21, and Kevin Garnett at 20.
1: For me, I went twenty-five Isaiah Thomas, twenty-four Dirk Nowitzki, twenty-three David Robinson, twenty-two John Stockton, twenty-one Carl Malone.
0: And um, then who'd you have at twenty?
1: Oh, Elgin Baylor. Thank you. Elgin Baylor. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, let's uh, let's start out with a guy that you had at twenty and a guy I didn't have at my list. Kevin Garnett. Why do you, why do you have him so high?
0: So, so the reason I have Kevin Garnett, I'm assuming Kevin Garnett would probably fall somewhere between 25 and 35 for you. Correct. Yeah. Um, the reason I have KG so high is I feel like, again, you talked about the historical importance of certain guys and, um, KG was the first high school player to go straight from high school to the pros in more than like 20 years when he was drafted, um, which started that trend. There's a lot of guys that did that afterwards. Um, And also, I feel like KG was – KG, I think, was ahead of his time when it comes to the way that he played the game of basketball, and I think he kind of ushered in the era of bigs that we have now to a certain extent. You see a lot of bigs now shooting a lot of threes. Like, Cat is one of the better three-point shooting, if not the best three-point shooting big of all time. And he was teammates with Cat for two years when he went back to Minnesota. Um, KG started to stretch the floor and shoot a lot of mid-ranges, and just the way that he was able to switch on defense, he averaged – 1.3 steals and 1.4 blocks a game where he was able to defend inside and on the perimeter. Uh, I think just the way that KG played basketball was kind of revolutionary for his time. And I think if he played, if he was drafted three years ago would have been in a ridiculous, I I don't even know where KG would be at now. He, he he
1: would have been a really good five or a stretch four for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, really athletic, fast player, you know what I mean? Did, did a lot of things well. The reason that I couldn't put him as a top 25 player is his role on the teams that were successful were, was such a muddled role. Because um, I don't think those years that the Celtics were so dominant, I, it's, it's hard to like, he was either the best player or the second best player, but I'm not sure, you know, would, which one he
0: was. I would probably say second best to be 100% honest with you.
1: Behind Paul Pierce, right? Yeah. 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 Um, so to me, that's like oh, the hard part about him is like he was dominant, but you know, most of his years in Minnesota were vol annoyed. You know what I mean? It was yeah, kind of a lot of nothing when he was there. There was a couple years where they had Stefan Marbury. Um the was never did much. It never has.
0: It never uh-huh. right.
1: And then and then when he went to Boston, you know, obviously uh, won a couple titles there. It's tough to sit there and, you know what I mean? Try to understand his role of importance on that because yeah, like you said, he was kind of the second best player on that team. Um, and the other thing that I struggle with is I don't know if he was ever the best player at his position for an entire season. Um, or, or I shouldn't say that probably for more than Season or, or more, you know what I'm saying?
0: No, I would agree with what you said the first time. I think it's tough because his entire career, he played at the same time as Tim Duncan. Mm-hmm. um the The thing that I'll say about KG, and I think this is probably where our list is going to split, is I've always been more of a stats guy in what you've done individually. And yeah. Kevin Garnett is one of the three players in NBA history to ever lodge twenty thousand career points, ten thousand rebounds, and five thousand assists um so yeah all the years in minnesota were completely wasted um the team never did much and it's partially on him for you know not being able to give him over the hump. but at the same time you can only stare at one guy for so long until you're like all right well this guy is obviously playing at an extremely high level what are we not doing here that is not letting the team get to where it needs to be yeah so that's where i kind of have kg that high
1: um, we both moved Isaiah Thomas into the top twenty-five. Uh ESPN did not have him at twenty five. There was like thirtieth or something like that. Yeah, I think he was
0: like twenty-ninth or twenty so, eighth,
1: something like that. Something like that. Um for me, it's pretty hard for you to not have the guy that gave, you know, we're not gonna spoil the top end of our list here, but clearly one of the top two best players of all time in Michael Jordan. Um, you can't have the guy who gave him the most problems not on your top 25 list, in my opinion. Um, yeah. I think what he was able to do and give the bulls so much trouble, I think matters. Uh, I think for being an undersized player for how well he played matters. Um, I just feel like he overcame a lot there Yeah, and, and what he was able to do now, there's obviously a lot of controversy with his post basketball career. I tried not to let any of that kind of take effect on my mind. Yeah. Um, but, Uh, Yeah, that's that's my thoughts on Isaiah Thomas.
0: Yeah, and and I'll keep it short and sweet. And and again, when and I think it comes to when you're talking about the Hall of Fame, especially in the NFL, the NBA is a little bit different because it's the basketball Hall of Fame. I I look at it the same way when I'm talking about this 25 list is can I tell the story of the NBA without you? and you Mm -hmm. cannot tell the story of the 90s and you can't tell the story of Michael Jordan without mentioning Isaiah Thomas. He's got to be part of this 25 list in my opinion.
1: I agree. I agree. Um, we'll we'll hit one more, kind of in the twenty five to twenty range. Okay. I had Dirk Nowitzki at twenty four. Um, we'll save that for the next one because we'll talk about him. Yeah, I think talk about uh, him. Max
0: David Robinson is a guy that falls in to both of our spots here, just a spot apart.
1: Yeah, uh, David Robinson. The problem is, is he'll as far as the Spurs franchise go, he'll be the second best player behind Tim, Tim Duncan. Duncan. Yeah. That, that's ultimately his downfall. Um, a really, really good big. I mean, obviously one of the great bigs of all time. I just think it's it's tough to have him be any higher than that because, I mean, he realistically was the leader for one of those championships. And then beyond that, it was kind of all Tim Duncan in my well, opinion. Well, yeah, it's
0: it was all Tim Duncan and also... He, he was at the tail end of his career when Tim came in and the success started when Tim was drafted. So mm-hmm. uh, again, another guy for me, when you look at individual statistics is a, is a freak of nature. Uh, he owns one of the only one of only four quadruple doubles in NBA history and the only 30 point quadruple double in NBA history. Um, and the fourth highest scoring single game performance of all time behind Wilt, Kobe and David Thompson. Um so definitely one of one of my more favorite players to watch, like to go back and watch Highlights of Obviously. I wasn't watching basketball back yeah. in his prime at all. But one of the more talented guys of all time. But being a five in in the nineties, in the eighties and nineties, just there's no such thing as longevity at a, at a 14 year career. You can't play the way that they did in the nineties at the five spot for a long time. And he was one of those guys you could definitely see why.
1: I agree. I agree. Um, We both had John Stockton somewhere in this section and then Carl Malone ahead of him. Mm -hmm. I think that mainly comes down to they were both super important, both great all-timers. And I think Carl Malone was the better player on that team when they played together. So it's tough to have John Stockton ahead of him in that aspect. But um, I think what hurts them is – they appeared in the finals. They were never able to beat the they were never able to kind of get over that hump and beat um, the, the Bulls. Chicago Bulls. Thank mm-hmm. you. Um, I mean, obviously, the flu game is one of the most memorable games of all time. So that's why the, neither one of them could crack the top 20 for me. But I think both incredible players and and again, part of that 90s basketball history. Yeah. And I and
0: I don't think either of them make the top 25 without each other. To be hundred percent honest, like I uh, agree, yeah. The the Jazz's arena sits on the corner of Stockton and Malone for a reason. Like those guys were probably one of, if not the best, duo when you're talking about traditional point guard big duos of all time. It's it's hard to to pass up these two guys. We're talking about the career leader in assists and steals, and a guy that retired his second all time in points. The 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 individual accolades are there. I do, honestly, like, it, it is a buzzsaw that they ran into Jordan twice in the finals. Obviously, it's hard to get over that. I, I did kind of find it surprising, looking back on it, that they only made two finals in their career. With how good they were, and they That's played crazy. their entire careers together. I feel like they, they kind of should have made it more than twice. But the West was just as good as it was now, back in the day, with guys like, I mean, we're going to see a lot of the guys. We're going to talk about a couple of them coming up.
1: Yeah. Um. All right. To jump, kind of twenty through fifteen here. Uh, ESPN's list. Twenty is Elgin Baylor. Nineteen is Jerry West. Eighteen is Giannis. Seventeen is Dirk Nowitzki. Sixteen is Steph Curry. Fifteen is
0: Moses Malone. Mm. Um. My twenty, obviously, was Kevin Garnett. Nineteen was Dirk Nowitzki. Elgin Baylor at eighteen. Giannis at seventeen. Dr. J Julius Irving at sixteen and Moses Malone at fifteen.
1: For me, I had Elgin Baylor at twenty, uh, Jerry West at nineteen, Charles Barkley at eighteen, uh, Moses Malone at seventeen, Giannis at sixteen, and Akeem Lajuan at fifteen. Um, let's talk about let's talk about Dirk now because I had him at twenty four and you had him kind of creep into this this spot at nineteen. had him at nineteen. I had him slip into the top twenty here. I think Dirk's the reason that I had a hard time putting him in the top 20 is it's hard for me to sit there and go, you know, Dirk needed a lot around him to win a championship and Dirk was a great scorer, but I don't know if he made his teams better, if that makes sense. Um, I think a lot of these guys, you know, if you plugged uh, for an example, like an Elgin Baylor on a team back then. Uh, I think they're an immediate contender, right? Like there's somebody you go, Oh, we got this guy. This is our guy. Whereas I think Dirk had years where he had a lot around him and they underperformed. Mm-hmm. And it's tough for me to sit there and go, was there a year in Dirk's career where he was the best player in basketball? No.
0: Um, I, I think the reason I kind of have him. So I, obviously he pioneered again, being a pioneer, the, the way that the league is played now and being able to shoot threes, being probably the greatest seven-foot sniper that ever lived. And also, I mean, he's the, he's the highest-scoring uh, Euro player of all time, and he kind of opened the door. There's, there's kind of this really bad stereotype of Euro players being super soft, and really the only way that you came over from Europe back in the day was you were super tall, and it's kind of hard to pass on a guy that's 7'2 to 7'6". And Dirk came over, being a seven footer, and really broke the mold, and to me, kind of opened the door for the Luka Doncic's and and you know the other guys that've been able to come over from overseas and play. Um, and uh, I would agree with you that a lot of Dirk's career was uh, kind of underachieving in certain roles. He had Jason Kidd at one point and Steve Nash at one point separately. Twice. And, no, uh, he had
1: Steve Nash and Jason Kidd run the same team for a year, and then Jason yeah. Kidd left, came back for the championship year, so
0: and and i would say they overachieved that championship He was the lone all-star on that 2011 team i believe he's the last time that a lone all Star has won a title without an all-star mm-hmm. teammate on the at that year um so and taking down lebron in the super team heat in their first year in the finals is again i you can't tell the story of lebron james without mentioning the the great failure that the 2011 finals was and dirk Nowitzki and the Mavs were the buzzsaw in that finals
1: yeah i i agree um Another player I wanted to talk about here, uh, we both had Elgin Baylor kind of in this range. Um, I think the only thing that holds this man back is the era of basketball he played in. 100%. Um, I think if he played in a tougher, more relevant era with more high-end players, I think he is easily a top 15, if not a top 10 player of yeah. all time, just based on what he was able to do in his career alone. I just think he just played in a in a time of basketball where – competition wasn't there um you know the players around him weren't quite as good so it's you know he puts up really good numbers but like you know there wasn't a lot of all-time greats that he was competing with
0: yeah and i think another thing and a lot of people draw to that and like he didn't play in the greatest era of basketball i think another thing that greatly affects how we view about any athlete or any movie star celebrity musician the I think media and how accessible things are 110% can immediately change how a player is viewed. And it's hard to get clips from the fifties and the sixties and the early seventies. When you look at the stats, this guy is probably top 10 all time averaging 27 and 14 for his career. Yeah. Was just an absolute animal. One of just six players to drop more than 70 points in an NBA game in history and still holds the finals record for single game points with the sixty one point performance um, in the finals,
1: and then you pair him with Jerry West. Who did Jerry West not even make your top twenty five? Wow, he didn't.
0: oh um, <laughs> I don't know if I meant to drop him all the way out. I definitely was going to drop him lower than where ESPN had him, but I don't know if I didn't. I got all the way to twenty three and realized I left Dirk off, and I was like, okay, I have to put Dirk in here. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely don't think I meant to drop Jerry West all the way out of the top twenty-five. He definitely still would have fallen, probably in my my twenty-two, twenty-five range, somewhere in there. Range. He definitely yeah. would have been lower, yeah.
1: So you pair them as kind of the best basketball players, you know, some of the best basketball players in this era, mm-hmm. on the same team. It definitely does not doesn't make it an easier case. You know what I mean? For yeah. for of of the competition. Whereas if these two went at each other, I think you know. You have a little bit more of a compelling story potentially there. I mean, the third the only other player that played in this era we're really gonna talk about is Oscar Robinson. Um and and a little bit of Bill Russell was was looped into there too. So mm-hmm. it's it was just a weird time in basketball, is kind of my takeaway there. Um for those two players. Uh let's talk about Charles Barkley. I had him at eighteen, you had him a little bit lower. Um I feel like Charles Barkley it's weird to say that it's like his announcing career is taken away from his all time status. Yeah. Cause I feel like people forget how great of a player Charles Barkley actually was
0: like, yeah, I we, feel like we yeah, talked about ahead. this on BDL a little bit last week. Cause he, uh, I think he's got like a year or two left on the, the TNT contract with Shaq and Kenny and the guys. And he said, he's going to stop doing it afterwards. Cause he, he wants to be remembered as a basketball player, not an announcer. Yeah. And I, I, I went out and said, and I was like, I feel like I already remember him more as an announcer. And, I, and I thought it was asinine the way he said it. I was like, oh, how dare you be good at your second job, Charles? Like, oh, darn, I was too good at the job I picked up after playing. Like, do you think Phil Jackson sits back and looks at the five rings on his finger and like, man, I'm so mad I don't get remembered playing for the Knicks back in the 70s.
1: Well, I mean – it's I there's a difference between being an all-time great coach and all-time great announcer agreed so agreed I, I I get the difference to me Charles Barkley's career parallels greatly with Kevin Garnett's um, a lot of wasted years when Charles was in Philadelphia a couple of years when he was on that super team um, in Houston they were never really to pull it pull it off for me what decided was like I would rather have Charles Barkley. I think he was more dominant as a player. And that's why I had him a little bit higher. I think, I really think people forget and sleep on how good of a player Charles was.
0: Yeah. Charles, Charles kind of fell down. He was at 23 on my list. He falls down the list for me because, um, as much as, you know, you're, you're talking about how dominant he was. And maybe I'm one of the people that is quick to forget when I look. And you can even look at ESPN's list too. They're, uh, their run of power forwards here. They had Elsbilla is more of a small forward, but can be kind of looped in at twenty. K, KG was twenty-one. Barkley was twenty-two. Malone was twenty-three. Like that is at least three, if not four, power forwards that are kind of all looped in together. Dirk also entering the conversation, and I put Barkley probably at fourth out of those four guys. Um, I nothing. See, I, would t- I would take Charles out of all four of them, but I I would definitely like. I'm up for debate on Garnett and. Uh, Dirk for sure. I would take Carl Malone over Barkley, probably just about any day of the week, but,
1: and Barkley was an undersized four. yeah, I you know six. know what I mean. Six,
0: he definitely was, but he's also still one of the greatest rebounders of all time, despite being six, six. True. Um, his nicknames reflected that over the years for sure.
1: Um, we gotta, we're going to pick up pace here a little bit. Um, exactly, yeah. we're going to, we're going to talk about Giannis real quick. Uh, you know, very similar spot, seventeen for you, sixteen for me. Um, I think he can only grow from this. I think I think I think last year or sorry, what was it, two years ago now that when he was the MVP, it felt like he was the best player in basketball. Mm-hmm. Um that, that might have been one of the first years where I felt like LeBron wasn't the best player in basketball or was, you know what I mean, about to hit that clip of not being the guy. Um, especially with the year he was having with that young Lakers team. Uh, That might've been three years ago, but I I think Giannis has a chance, a very good chance of sneaking into the top 15, top 10 players of all time. I think he's got to win another championship and I think he's got to continue to play at this clip that he's playing at.
0: Yeah. I think for what he's accomplished in, in eight years at the age of 27 is absolutely insane. Uh, Two-time league MVP defensive player of the year finals, you know, obviously a ring finals MVP sky's an animal. And there's much more on the horizon. We're talking at least probably another seven years at least, and he could play longer than that depending you know, on the play style going forward and what he's able to develop in this game. But he's another guy that when you just stack him up against everybody that's ever played in the game, there's few guys, if any, that have played the game as athletically, as, as gifted as he is, being as tall as he is, as fast as he is, as strong as he is the total package when it comes to what you can do physically on a basketball court yes i agree an absolute specimen to say the least
1: um kind of kind of going to chug along here um want to make sure we have plenty of time because i think we're as we go up this list we're going to want to talk more More about it um 15, Moses Malone for ESPN. 14 was Dr. J, Julius Irving. 13, Akeem Olajuwon. Number 12 was Kevin Durant. Number 11 was Shaquille O'Neal. Um, and then I'll leave 10 alone. We'll, we'll kind of crack into 10.
0: Mm-hmm. I think another thing quickly before we get... Actually, no, I'll save it because we're going to talk about him in the next spot as well. Okay. So. <clears throat> so 15 for me was Moses Malone 14 was Oscar Robertson 13 was Kim Olajuwon 12 was Kevin Durant 11 was Bill Russell uh
1: 15 for me was Olajuwon 12 was Julius Irving 13 Tim Duncan 12 Kevin Durant and 11 Oscar Robinson who do you? Who did talk you want to talk about <laughs> no nope. you you had one lined up you had one in the chamber that i feel like you wanted to talk about
0: well so. i'd uh i definitely have one in the chamber next time around i think uh okay the one here that sticks out obviously kevin durant both falling at 12 on our list mm-hmm. falls picture perfect at 12 on all three lists actually um again you cannot tell the story of the nba without talking about kevin durant it's not possible um
1: i a seven-one wing player that shoots and scores like Kevin Durant, uh, as will...
0: eff- efficiently and and at the volume that Kevin Durant does.
1: Yeah, I think the biggest things that'll hold him back are going to be injuries and then the teams that he's played on. Um, yeah, because when you have a Kevin Durant, it's hard to feel like you haven't underperformed if you're not competing for finals every year. And boy, there's been some good teams that he's played on that you look at back at and you go. Man, they couldn't win at all. You know what I mean? They are, they didn't they didn't even yeah. make it to the finals. So that that'll be the Kevin Durant might go down as one of those careers of what ifs. You know what I mean? That you look and he'll,
0: at he'll always go down in the top five of when it comes to the most talented players of all time. Everyone will always give him his respect when it comes to that. Yeah, there's there's no debate when it comes to when you stack everybody up and just look what they can do on a basketball court. Kevin Durant is tough to beat.
1: Yes, I, I agree. Uh, we'll we'll talk about... Eh, no, we'll, we'll save that one for the next round. Uh, we both have Olajuwon in this spot. We both have um, Oscar Robinson in this spot. I think that's this is right where they belong. Um, big, impactful players for their time. Um, you know, they did a lot of things special, but they just weren't... Either didn't play in a great era of basketball... Um, you know, weren't like in Elijah Wan's case wasn't a dynamic enough scorer. Um Dr. J played in arguably like one of the worst errors of basketball that, yeah. that can exist. And I think ultimately that's what hurts him. I think he's a better player than he's given credit for. Um, but yeah, that's I think those three guys kind of fit in nicely to where they are.
0: Yeah. Elijah one, I love Hakeem Elijah, arguably one of my favorite players of all time. Um I think is, is obviously the king of the footwork when it comes to being down low, the dream shake. And again, another guy that is when it defensively is one of the best defensive players of all time. Um, Averaged three blocks over his career, 22 points, 11 boards. Uh, And I don't think anybody's really probably going to touch his record for blocks in a career. Uh, when it's all said and done, at least not anybody that I can see now, um, just an an absolute specimen. Um, obviously being drafted the same year and his t- entire career falling underneath the reign of Michael Jordan, obviously is going to hurt him in the long run. And there's only two rings coming in the two years that MJ played basketball or played baseball. But I I I love Hakeem Olajuwon. is one of my favorite players of all time. To sit back and watch and just. Marvel at what he could do underneath the post in the post on both sides of the basketball his yeah. entire career. I agree. Um, Let's jump into
1: let's do 10 through five. And this is where we're going to talk about more and more players and, and, and getting the more of the lengths. Um, yeah. And I will go back and I'll, we'll talk about some of ESPN's misses because I feel like there's some big misses on here. Yeah. We're about um, to hit one of them right here for yes. sure. Number 10, they had Kobe Bryant. Number nine, Oscar Robinson. Number eight, Tim Duncan. Number seven, Larry Bird. And number six, Bill Russell.
0: Um, My 10 was Shaquille O'Neal. Nine was Tim Duncan. Eight was Steph Curry. Larry Bird at seven. And Magic Johnson at six.
1: And I had Larry Bird at 10, Shaq at nine, Steph Curry at eight, Magic Johnson at seven, and Bill Russell at six. Um, I want to start out with Bill Russell being outside your top 10.
0: Yeah. Um, I've, I've never been a huge fan of Bill Russell. Um, he he did scrape out of my top 10. It has more to do, honestly, with the guys that he's stacking up against. Mm-hmm. Um, when I look at Shaq, Tim Duncan, and Steph Curry, I'm like, I can't conceivably, even with 11 titles, averaging 22 rebounds is probably the second or third best rebounder of all time one of the best defensive players of all time. I, when I look at the era that he played in and the volume of scoring has never hurt me. You're a post player. Like a lot of, you know, just, I'm not expecting you average 35 a game or even 27 a game, but the, the field goal percentage has always bothered me when it comes to Bill Russell. And I understand that he's more of a defensive guy and I don't look at Patrick Beverly and Draymond green and wonder where the offense is. But for a guy that was uh, at six, nine, and during his entire career that he played there were three other players that were 6-8 or taller obviously Wilt being one of them his career field goal percentage is like 38% which is mm-hmm. ridiculously low to me and again that probably comes down to to the era that he played in the way the basketball was played but bill russell has always been a guy that um it, it's a hard, it's so hard to look at his career and compare it to everybody else's Him and Wilt are two of the guys that are really, really hard to compare. And the reason that Wilt falls so high on everybody's list is the absolute statistical machine. EBA record books do not exist without Wilt Chamberlain's name. And Bill Russell's definitely in there a decent bit, but Wilt's a a different animal statistically.
1: I think the thing that pushes Bill Russell in my top 10 for me and just outside that top 5 is, is you can't ask much more from him from a winning standpoint and and what he did, he knew what he did. Well, did it really well. And they won a lot, right? Like, yeah, it was, it it was, wasn't, I mean, you have two of the top 10 players of all time playing in a single error and Bill Russell was able to win, uh, 11 titles. Like that's just crazy. And to coach some of those games, like, you know, just the all around like legend that Bill Russell is, I I get the field goal percentage. I wish he scored more too, but outside of that, there's not much more you could, could really ask him to do. And that's why he's six for me. Uh, that's why he has to be in the top 10 in my opinion. Um, but yeah, I think, I think Bill Russell, it'll be tough because he's from, uh, you know, his, his, he always lives in Wilt Chamberlain's shadow and that's to be expected to a certain degree, but yeah, that's a, it's tough for me to, to look past that. Um, Another player you had Tim Duncan at nine. I had him all the way up at thirteen. Um, mm-hmm. For me, the thing I struggle with is there, there's a couple factors when it comes to Tim Duncan that that I struggle with. Is one, he was never the best big in his error. Um, I mean, Shaquille O'Neal was probably always better than than Tim Duncan, right? And the other problem I'm going to have with Tim Duncan is. He is so closely tied to Greg Popovich, one of the top five coaches of all time. If not um, top two. Top two, right. Like, yeah, he's up there. You know what I mean? Greg Popovich is one of the best coaches to ever coach basketball. Um, I think Phil Jackson and Pat Riley give him a run for a money in the top two, so that's why I wasn't ready to put him quite there. But um, I, I just have such a hard time of, like, understanding how much did he contribute to him being – he's definitely a top 15 great of all time, but – how much of those titles were him versus, you know, the coaching scheme and pop getting the most out of his role players and, and everything like that. That's always been the struggle to me. Um, I think when it comes to longevity, I think you have a really great argument for Duncan over O'Neal. Um, but when it comes to sheer dominance, I don't think you can put Shaq behind Tim Duncan.
0: Um, the reason I have Tim Duncan so high is, uh, I think he's the best power forward of all time. Um, and I think one thing that gets – so so that's definitely a decent argument. And I bring and, – and I have to acknowledge that because I bring that a lot around Phil Jackson as well because a lot of people – the reason I think Greg Popovich is the best coach of all time over Phil Jackson is because Phil Jackson was the same. Like you compare Tim to, to Pop and you look at Phil Jackson and he won five titles and he won three with Michael Jordan. He won two with Shaq and Kobe. Yeah. Or he won six titles, three with three with each. Correct.
1: I think so. I don't I don't remember exactly, but I think something
0: like that. Um. So so I, I have to acknowledge that argument because I bring that up about Phil Jackson all the time. Um. The reason I think Tim Duncan falls a little bit higher is I think it again was never the best player in the league, but it was a guy that's, you know, played the same era as Kobe Bryant, LeBron James. It's hard to be the best player in the league, especially as a as a big mm-hmm. Um. Uh, the thing that I've always loved about Tim Duncan that I don't think anybody talks about is how good he was on defense. He's never the flashiest. There was no snatch blocks. There was no, you know, five seven blocks a game. There's no average three for a season. But Tim Duncan is the third highest player in NBA history when it comes to defensive rating. Um he's a ninety five point five seven all time defensive rating. Uh, which is a hair above David Robinson, Ben Wallace, who come in at four and five. Um, Tim Duncan was the master of doing everything that doesn't happen on a stat sheet defensively, just always in the right spot, always contesting, affecting shots. And I mean, that's
1: his nickname was the big fundamental for a reason he did. I
0: feel like a lot of people just look at the offense. They look at the, the off the glass, the hook shots. And I'm like, he was, it was defensively too. He was always in the right spot.
1: You know how the meme right now of Steph Curry is like, look at what Steph Curry's doing to basketball, and it's all these guys just shooting these, like, wild shots and everything like that? Yeah. Like, when I was a kid, I was definitely trying to, like, be like Tim Duncan and hit bank shots and stuff oh, like yeah. that. Oh, yeah. I'm taking like,
0: post-fade all of it.
1: Yeah. Like, there, there was definitely – he definitely had an influence on basketball that I think is somewhat underspoken. I just – it's it's tough, right? Once you get this nitpicky, it's really, really tough to like sit here and go, yep, this is the right answer here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um,
0: there's, there's, an, when it comes to this top 10, there's an argument for everybody. There's a reason these, all these guys are here. And the, the top two is, I feel like is set in stone, but three to three to 10, you're like, you can make an argument. Even three awesome. to like
1: 12. I think you're like, man, a lot of people could slide in. And I would agree.
0: Here. Yeah. A hundred percent. Uh. Steph Curry falls at eight on both of our lists. I think Mm -hmm. we can both agree that 16 is absolutely effing absurd of ESPN. Yeah, I don't Um, know.
1: I don't know what, who wrote that and who thought that was remotely true at all time. And
0: and I can get with it to a certain degree. Like if you want to, you're like, oh, Steph Curry's all the way back at 16. If, if you can argue with that and get away with it, there's no way in hell that Giannis is all the way at 18. Right. If Giannis is at 18, Steph's top 10. Yeah, I if Steph 16 Giannis is like 40. I think Steph has
1: an argument to be on the Mount Rushmore of cuz he quite literally changed the way basketball was played, right? When it comes
0: to most influential he is on the Mount Rushmore, no doubt in my opinion. No, because, no doubt. Cuz people talk about this all the time and I
1: I think I still think it's a really good point and it's worth mentioning is you look at the way Shaq played basketball and I can't go do that in my dr- not every kid growing up is going to go oh, I can go do that or no. the way LeBron or LeBron James is quite literally a tight end that plays basketball dominantly you know what I mean yeah Michael Jordan is this freak athlete Giannis is this freak athlete anyone can watch Steph Curry and go okay I can go do that yep. you know what I'm saying like an undersized guard who shoots extremely well. You know what I mean? Knows how to physical
0: doesn't anything. Anytime you're you, even if it's a skill can branch past what physical limits you automatically, because you can reach more people that way. Yeah. There's no, there's no limit physically to what you can do. And that's always when it comes to sports, that's the number one thing that stops people.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think he he has a, a undervalued place in history. And I think, who knows? They could go on and win the title this year and, and win yeah. a couple more before he retires. And he very well sneaks into my top five very quickly doing that. But yeah.
0: And I, people always bring up that he's never won a finals MVP and they don't feel like he's ever, that he wasn't the best team, the best player on his team the two years. Obviously, he was the first year, but the two other titles that they won with Kevin Durant. And first of all, Andre Iguodala had no business ever, ever, for any second ever in that finals or since should have been the finals MVP. They gave it to him because he was some type of LeBron stopper LeBron averaged 34, nine and nine in that finals series. So I don't know where that narrative ever came from. Right. And second of all, Kevin Durant may be a better one-on-one basketball player, maybe a better player than Stephen Curry in all the, the storylines that were happening. Cause they were banged up here and there through those three years that he was there and the two titles. They won. That Kevin Durant went on the Warriors when Stephen Curry was out. There was a point I remember reading this stat where, like, they were, like, 15 and 15 when Steph was out. And KD was the sole superstar with Clay and Draymond were playing. When Steph played and Kevin Durant was out, they were still, like, 21 and 3. So yeah. his impact on that team has always been greater than anybody else's around him. So I've never bought into either of those narratives that a lot of people immediately bring up to try to knock him back on the list. And I think, I think he
1: fits that team so well. Like, yeah, Yeah. Steph Curry built for him. Exactly. The way they were able to pass triple his court vision, everything like that just fits well. Mm -hmm. Steph Curry is not beating a lot of these people one-on-one in this. This is, this is not the one-on-one list for sure. Not at all. Um, Because, yeah, Steph Curry would not wear beard. he probably wouldn't even be in the top 10 or top 20 when it comes to that. I think impact on game has to matter. I think, um, you know, the role he's played and everything like that. And who knows? Yeah, he very well. He he was definitely it was definitely his team that first championship. And who knows? He he might get two or three more where he's the guy uh, going forward on the championship runs. So 100 percent possibility. Um, And anyone else you want to talk about before we jump into the top five?
0: Magic Johnson and Larry Bird, obviously, I think uh, Bird fell to ten on your spot. Uh, we yeah. both had them in this this five to ten range. They have to be mentioned in the same breath. Yes, they they saved basketball in the eighties. The, the reason that Michael Jordan was as important as he was is because they kept the league alive before he got there. Um, so both of those guys have to be mentioned in the same breath. They're both top ten players of all time.
1: Yes, I agree. Um... It's always tough for me to like put Magic Johnson above Larry Bird, but Magic Johnson was kind of one of those guys that's like, how was that guy a point guard, right? Like he was huge, had handles like nobody's business, could pass sure. like crazy.
0: He's like 6'9", Ma- he, he started at center their first finals run. And, right. And he was on the Lakers. So just an absolute freaking nature. And the only reason he's not higher, and ESPN had him all the way at four, and he probably would have been justified there on my list had he not had his career cut short by HIV. I
1: agree. Um, Top five. Uh, ESPN has Wilt Chamberlain at five, Magic Johnson at four, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar at three, LeBron at two, and Michael at one.
0: Uh, I have Wilt at five, Kareem at four, Kobe at three, Michael Jordan at two, and LeBron James at one.
1: I have Kobe Bryant at five, Wilt Chamberlain at four, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar at three, LeBron at two, and Michael at one. Um let's let's work our way down on this one. Okay. I think is is the way to go for this. Um uh 5 Wilt Chamberlain, I think is slightly undervalued. It's close. I think you have him at 5, I have him at 4. Yeah. Uh, um for ESPN, he's somewhere in there. I mean, the best player from his era, obviously the 100-point game. Um I would argue probably the most unstoppable player of all time has to um, be when it comes to, look at the the
0: career averages. Absolutely. 30 points and 23 rebounds a game for his career. And he didn't play for two years. He played from 1959 to 1973. Yeah, absolute. When you're talking about statistics for me, this guy is a wet dream an absolute fucking animal holds the, the highest scoring game of all time the highest rebounding game of all time, 55 rebounds in a single game. Right. That's crazy. Absolutely insane. He averaged 50 for a season in 61. No, yeah.
1: he was the, wasn't he the first player to ever average a triple double? Is that right?
0: I don't, uh, know, I don't think he ever averaged a triple double, but definitely because okay. his assists never got up there, but mm. the dude averaged 50 and 25 in a single season. Yeah. Which is absurd. Just, absolutely <laughs> Just crazy. I don't, there's no explanation needed. That's the headline. No subtitle needed.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely think, I think there's no question. He's a top five player of all time. Um, yeah. for us, you have Kareem at four. I have wilt at four. Um, I'll, I'll talk about why I had Kobe at five and I know a lot of people are going to say, well, you know, was passing. So that kind of bumps him up the list and things like that. I think people forget there was a short while there where this was Kobe's league, um, when it was kobe shack and then for a couple years after that there was there might have been a slight break where miami was the best team and then kobe kind of took it back over but i think
0: oh nine to 10 before lebron really got to miami it was kobe's like lebron was making noise in cleveland but it was kobe's league
1: it was kobe's league i agree i think i and espn had him all the way at what 10? 10 10 which is crazy 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 low um Again, he he's bumped by being able to play with Shaq, being able to play with Phil Jackson. But Kobe Bryant is a slept-on player, I I think at number five. Um, for me, that that's what I have to say about him at five. Um, Kareem at four for you. What, is, what what made you put
0: Kobe above Kareem? Um, I I think Kobe has cemented himself as three. Um, ten is disrespectful. I, I think agree. I think he's got to be third. I don't think th- he never has cracked my top two, um, but he's never fallen from three. And I think it's going to take. I-, I can't see a world and like nobody predict, like nobody predicted how good Michael Jordan is going to be like when he was drafted in 84 coming out of North Carolina, nobody saw that kid being the best player that ever lived. Yeah, And a lot of people had the expectations on LeBron. Nobody ever saw LeBron living up and being as good as he is. LeBron is the only person in athletic in sports history that was heralded as he is supposed to be the greatest player of all time and got not only achieved or overachieved, got anywhere close to it. Anytime we've labeled that tag on somebody coming out of high school or college, they've failed. They may have had a good career, but no one has ever even gotten close to what LeBron has been able to do. And Kobe was the same way. And the thing with Kobe is, It was the mindset. There is the reason these top three are the way that they are or the way that the the three is cemented. Why Kobe has to be three is there is a certain mindset and a thing just that the aura that these three players have heralded Mm
1: -hmm. from
0: fans, coaches and other players alike. There is just a, a level of greatness and fear that you have to go onto the court knowing because those one of those three guys was going to step a- across from you and Kareem was great. And I love that. I think everybody agrees that like Kareem is up here, but Kareem is always above willed. I, I, I agree with that. All three mm-hmm. lists show that Kareem's longevity and the way he was able to score is absolutely insane. And when you take the, the aura and uh, there's just like, everybody talks about Michael in a certain way. Everybody talks about LeBron in a certain way. And to me, Kobe eclipsed into that category as well. So that's why this three has to be set the way it is. And then the list kind of starts for me, the list starts at four out to 25. The three doesn't change the order of the three can change, but the three to me is always the same.
1: I I'm going to disagree with you. I think three through 24 is highly up for debate. I don't, I don't think,
0: I'll never get super frustrated with that as mm-hmm. long as your two are the same. The top 2 has to be the top 2. I, I think to the me, top Kobe, two or Kobe can't judgment. fall out of the top 5.
1: I, I I I think so. I agree with that. I think I think part of it is recency bias for us is like we didn't get to watch Bill Kareem, Bill Russell, Bill you know Russell, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. We we didn't get to watch a majority of these players. Kobe is kind of our childhood, you know, come up player um and and we didn't get to watch Michael Jordan really either besides no. in space jam, but, yeah. um, but you know what I'm saying of like, I think there's some recency bias in that of like us not being able to see them, but I think Kobe Bryant's a top there five player is. of all time. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, let's, let's dive into the top two. Um, if you want to, so ESPN
0: has it: LeBron, Michael, um, Michael at one LeBron at two. Yep. All open with, if any other players in your top two you're wrong
1: (laughs) i think either
0: or here is correct i'm i've always been more of a lebron guy i've had lebron at one for two three years now um it's never i've never had anything against michael jordan in my eyes he's the second greatest basketball player of all time in most he is the best basketball player of all time i've never had any beef with that argument Mm -hmm. um I will, I will live and die and argue for LeBron every day of the week, but I'll never be upset when, when Jordan falls at one. I think that's important to say as, as hard as I, in tooth and nails, I fight for LeBron at one Michael Jordan. If, if not the second best, he is the best player of all time. I'll, 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 I'll kind of break down
1: my, my logic and reasoning here. Um, if you look at achievement you have to go michael over lebron right now um mm-hmm. and the you know the 7 year stretch that michael jordan was able to have am i remembering that correctly or you know sorry the 5 year stretch that michael was able to have from 93 to 98 with 2 years off kind of in the middle there yeah i think far as like those you know years of a career, player's career are some of the best of all time. Um, And I think LeBron got short shafted of when LeBron was in prime form, he didn't have the teams around him to perform at the level that Michael was able to perform. Yeah. Um, I want to, I want to acknowledge that to kind of start this out of, I think that's part of the reason why, you know, LeBron doesn't have as many titles as Michael. Um, Now far as like stats and actual player, LeBron James is, by far, not by far. It's very close, but I think LeBron is a better player. Mm-hmm. I just think his achievements are 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 so that he under he's underachieved in so many different places that it kind of shadows that of what Michael was able to do.
0: It's hard to. I, I think it's a, it's diff it's incredibly difficult to try to eclipse Michael Jordan at all in any sense of the word. Obviously, t- statistically, he's done it already, but. Again, not a lot of people are stats guys. A lot of people like to look at the highlights and what were you able to do in this time frame, but what did you achieve and how many titles did you win? Um, the, the thing that's always made me feel better about putting LeBron at one is anytime I've gotten into a debate or a heated argument over Twitter in person, whatever, I, I – I feel like I bring a lot of things to the table of why LeBron is the best basketball player of all time. And the only thing I'm ever met with is why LeBron is not the greatest versus why Michael is. Um, I think that gets lost. I think, I think every, just about everyone is wrong when it comes to why Michael's the best or why LeBron is the best. I feel Mm -hmm. like a lot of people we'll sit here and try to tell you how LeBron can't do this or Michael didn't do that. And there's a lot of just the argument gets caught in why this guy is not the best versus why this guy is the best. Right. And I, th- I think it's dumb and I hate it because like I said, I'm never going to sit here and tell you that Michael Jordan is not good. There's people that will sit there and try to tell you that LeBron James is the ninth best basketball player of all time. There's no shot. Yeah. It's, it's insanity. It's ludicrous. It's um, it's one or two without question.
1: So hundred percent,
0: and we don't have the time to sit here. And I trust me, I could talk for another half an hour about why I think LeBron's the best, and and I'm sure you could sit there and talk a half an hour about why Michael Jordan's the best. Uh, we could do that on another day. Uh, that that could be another half an hour topic that we can get into for the NBA. Um, my bottom lines are LeBron and Jordan have to be one and two. Kobe to me has to fall in your top five. Mm -hmm. Stephen Curry has to be in your top 10, in my opinion, at this point. Yeah. Um, And Dwight Howard should have made the list overall. That that is to me. That was the biggest miss for the 75 as a general by the NBA. Yeah.
1: Uh, The one, the one thing I do want to say is I think Michael Jordan for had the most dominant four or five year stretch we've ever seen a player have. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that is the hardest thing to overcome is Jordan at his peak was literally unstoppable. No team was able to beat them. And I, you know, a lot of what ifs if he never retired in there or or everything like that. Whereas I just don't think LeBron has that string of years where we can look at it and go, he was literally unstoppable. And I think that, that to me is kind of what, like, if the final reason of what separates Jordan up to one was for four like you know Shaquille O'Neal had periods where there was nobody who could stop Shaq the right? four like, years
0: in LA he was the most dominant center that's ever played the game that exactly. we've been able to watch outside of will obviously
1: right um so and I I think that's true for Michael too of like of all time I think he had the most dominant stretch there um and was able to do things that nobody else could do and I I just don't think LeBron ever strung it all together at once enough for long enough. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Where I think he had the potential to do that with the Miami team. um, Yeah. Uh, And I think aging and yeah,
0: I think his best years to me always kind of fell to the teams that weren't hundred percent ready to me, the best LeBron and the best basketball player I've ever seen with my own two eyes was the magnificent 16 to 25 game stretch that, LeBron had in the 2018 playoffs was yeah. the most ridiculous and complete I've ever seen a basketball player play when it comes to playmaking defense, big plays, small plays scoring. It was everything. And that team got swept in the finals by Kevin right. Durant, the Warriors. Um, and,
1: and exactly like that, that, that sums up my point so well of like, there were times that LeBron, LeBron has probably had some of the worst teams in the NBA finals ever. Yeah. I've um, just, some of those years in Cleveland, you were like, who are these guys? Like,
0: who is that
1: guy? Who is this guy? Like, exactly. Like, yeah." when it comes to that aspect, like LeBron is definitely better. And I think ultimately that's what hurts his legacy Mm -hmm. is if those teams were just a little bit better, if you actually had a legit two in some of those years, I think LeBron is by far and away the best player because he's able to string three or four years together where, you know, he's unstoppable. Um, Yeah. And there is points to be made that LeBron has been able to do it with so many different teammates. Um,
0: That is interesting. Um, I'm glad that that helps his argument because there's a lot of people that look at it and they're like, he's had so much more help. He's had Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Love, and then Anthony Davis – all in his career, Mike only had Scotty, and if you want to count Dennis Robin, I'm like, yeah, but you're also looking at three separate teams versus Mike had one his entire career,
1: and and Mike was able to have those guys for such a long period of time and build cohesity. and they all kind of were in their primes at the right time. Yeah, where Le Lebron had D Wade kind of at the end of his prime, the end of his prime, yeah. Chris Kr- Bross was at the end of his prime, mm-hmm. and and then you go back to that Kyrie, like Kyrie was in his prime, but they only made it work for two years
0: and Kyrie wanted to leave. Yeah.
1: And Kyrie went crazy, right? That's not really LeBron's fault. And then Mm -hmm. you go to this Laker team. It's like, yeah, Anthony Davis is, is young and in his prime. LeBron's kind of out of it. Still an has been hurt and AD's hurt all the time. So it's part of it is like, it's crazy to say, but like your cast around you matters where it comes to where you rank all time as a basketball player. It it literally does. Like it's still a team sport and achievement matters. And, LeBron has been hurt more by his teammates than Michael probably ever was. And I think that that has to be part of the argument of, you know, of one, why LeBron is two versus Michael being one is, yeah. and and you have to acknowledge it, right? Like, it's not something that I'm going to sit here and go, well, it's all LeBron. Like some of that is not LeBron's fault. Like LeBron yeah, had the lone West drew Gooden. Um, you know, <laughs> I can't, even... yeah, exactly. Like he had some dudes that you're like, these guys, like I don't know if they would have started on some other teams, yeah. but he had those
0: teams in the finals, you know. Yeah, and I think I've said this, and it it might be a little bit of an overstatement. but I've always stood by it. I think the largest knock against LeBron James's career is that he was born in Akron and drafted by Cleveland. I mean, he probably if if that kid was from L. A or Miami or New York, there is mm-hmm. no way in hell he would have signed a second. There's no way he would have re-upped after his rookie contract was over in Cleveland and I... played another three years there before he left for Miami. He would have been out after the first time would have got through the growing pains. And I think he'd probably have two more titles to show for it.
1: I'm going to sit here and say, if he became a New York Nick, his career probably would have been worse off. Like he probably would have been taken worse teams to the NBA finals. If he were a Nick, than he was in Cleveland.
0: I don't know. I feel like, at least with New York and LeBron, they would have been able to draw someone in where obviously I don't know how LeBron wasn't able to draw any talent to Cleveland. It makes no sense.
1: I mean, I I wouldn't want to live in Cleveland. I wouldn't either, but
0: damn it. I would have played with LeBron James any day of the week.
1: (laughs) All right. We've already been talking for probably way too long at this point. So we have,
0: but it is what it is. It's basketball. So, uh, we will have the go debate at some point. I'm not going to say near future. I'm not going to put a timestamp on it because that's something that you have to be prepared for. And with our schedules, I'm not going to put a timestamp on us being prepared for anything. So, uh, hopefully that happens at some point, uh, in the future, but that's going to do it for episode 22. Um, obviously NFL off season is well in swing after this week um we've got some obviously free agency will start up here soon and we're gonna have a lot to talk about there and the nba stuff will keep coming so anything you want to add before we get out of here
1: uh no i mean just be prepared we're gonna keep talking about football keep talking about basketball it's obviously going to be a little bit more basketball focused going forward but we can't control if the nfl is going to just slap juicy burgers on the table for us We're yeah i can't i can't
0: help aaron Rodgers staying put and russell wilson getting traded and carson Wentz getting traded and jimmy garoppolo is probably going to get dealt and the colts have got to find a quarterback and lamar's got to sign his extension and kyler murray's going to delete his instagram again and uh, we can't control any of this so it's gonna happen yeah 100 so uh make sure you go follow us on twitter owen underscore burke b-e-r-k and at piss warm takes as well follow us on tiktok Boys Don't Live podcast on TikTok. We're doing weekly stuff now, daily stuff. We're trying to get to that daily point um, with all of our content creators. So um, make sure you go follow us on all of our socials. Other than that, we'll see you guys next week for episode 23. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll see you guys then.